is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Hope you had an awesome May-long weekend. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about coming out of a weekend that included uh, a lot of off-season turmoil with the Toronto Maple Leafs, some crazy games in the NHL playoffs, and NBA for that matter. Um, an amazing PGA Championship, and so much more to get to. Um, we, of course, Bomber Training Camp continuing. I'm really looking forward to catching up with our pal Joe Piscucci in the uh, first segment coming up in 20-25 minutes. Scooch is actually working out at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And this is anyone that knows Joe or, you know, follows his Twitter feed from all the great video archives he has from uh, his uh, incredible career as the sports director at Global and CKND here in Winnipeg. will know that uh, it, it almost was meant to be that Joe would be working uh, in doing archival stuff at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So wanted to talk to him about our old pal Paul Maurice being one game away from going to the Stanley Cup final and, his thoughts on the upcoming bomber season. I'm also very interested to hear about what he's got cooking over at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So we'll do that, and then it'll be hammer time. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. We will uh, hit the latest topics around Winnipeg with the uh, Jets offseason, of course, the Bombers' upcoming preseason action and the season just around the corner. So uh, we're locked and loaded. Uh, we will talk a little Cinnaboy Downs. Opening night was last night. Big night for Remus in our head-to-head challenge. Uh, and uh, got a chance to take in the gold eyes on the weekend as well. We'll let you know uh, some of the some of the observations from the ballpark from yours truly. And, of course, Fisher back for the next three days as well. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, opening up a new series tonight. So we'll get to all of that. Sea Bears begin this week. And, unfortunately, end of the season for the Winnipeg Ice. So uh, the docket is full today. Great to have you with us. If uh, you're new or finding us on YouTube, make sure to hit that red subscribe button. We're here every day, Monday to Friday, barring holidays like yesterday, one o'clock central time live. And you can also get the audio version of Winnipeg Sports Talk in your feed by simply subscribing wherever you get your favorite podcast. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk, and that'll usually be in your inbox just around 3.30 in time for the drive home if you work 8 to 4 or 9 to 5. Uh, all right, just before we get in to it with Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make the show happen every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, BP, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Nick and Nikki DQ Group. <laughs> DQs are busy this weekend. F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and of course our friends at Assiniboia Downs that kicked it off last night. We'll go back to the post for night two of live racing this evening. Uh, let's get it on. Welcome to everyone that's with us live on YouTube and chat, and welcome in Michael Remus to the show. Remo, what is up? How was your weekend? It's great. I know, look, officially summer, it says summer starts June 21, but I think it's here, May long. Summer kickoff, right? Uh, fire with the barbecue, clean the deck. Get all get all set, man. It was, it was an awesome weekend. Dino- dinosaurs? Were, uh, was it a I went dinosaurs to, yeah. involved? Yeah, I went to the zoo. Yeah, dinosaurs are out. So that's how you know they're back. That's how you know it's summer. You're right. Nailed it. I got to give a big shout out to uh, the gang out of Grand Pines. Uh, made it up the highway out to the lake for a little bit and uh, got a chance to uh, jump on the golf course. 
great hospitality from our friends down at Grand Pines. If you're ever out in the, uh, you know, Victoria Beach, Grand Beach area, definitely check it out. Uh, had a great round. And yeah, the weather was great. A little smoky at times, but all things considered that we've had May long weekends that have had snow on the ground. So uh, I think we will, uh, we will certainly take it. Um, there's a lot of things to get to right off the bat, but uh, it seems like it's been a week since we've been on the air ream. And I, I think back to Friday's show and Friday morning was sort of dominated by the big news out of Toronto, Kyle Dubas leaving. And then Brendan Shanahan spoke after we were on the air. We'll get into this a little bit more later on, but uh, were you like me? And I know people sometimes get triggered when we talk about the Leafs, but this story is so wild. Um, I couldn't get enough information on what is happening to Toronto. And for everyone that thought the Jets would be the Canadian team that would have the most off-season interest with the potential movement of some star players, uh, the Jets have company now um, because there is a lot of questions to be answered in Toronto about the future of the team. Austin Matthews' future now after Brendan Shanahan told Kyle Dubas to uh, take a hike, proverbially speaking, on Friday. I'm so, like, I know there was, like, off-season drama here with the Jets and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and, you know, last year we had the coaching uh, search, Trots Watch. The Leafs this year, man, I'm so all over this. Uh, following, I was listening to uh, the Athletic Podcast with James Myrtle, Elliot Friedman doing a great job detailing what's going on over there in 32 Thoughts. Fascinating. That you could go from one day, yeah, we're going to bring this guy back and they're working on a contract extension. Then because of a press conference, um, you change your mind on a a franchise-altering decision like that. When there are big decisions for them to be made this summer, as you mentioned, uh, Nylander and Matthews eligible for extensions. And also just the years of playoff failure for this team. But I think the Leafs, they're they're a great regular season team. Have to figure out how to get it done in the playoffs and... I still think Kyle Dubas is a very good GM. Looking forward to seeing what he, where he ends up. But it just the way that it went down is so fascinating. And Brandon Shannon coming out on Friday while we were doing the show, detailing the whole process um, <laughs> was incredible. And then Kyle Dubas coming out with a letter on his Twitter account today. So uh, it's never ending there for the center of the universe. I know people who listen to this show. Going to be probably, as, as you said, what is it we're going to get the in chat? What is this Leafs, Leafs lunch? <laughs> talk about how do you not talk about this? Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and, and we'll have some time for it more a little later on, I'm sure. Uh, well, it would be interesting to hear from Joe, who is uh, out there right now, just um, what the Leaf Nation's feeling like right now. I'll say this, um, the, 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 the frankness and openness of Shanahan with the details that he provided as to how it all went down, um, is just something that we're certainly not used to getting from many teams. And, uh, I mean, there'll be natural comparisons um, for the Leafs to hear what's happening in Winnipeg with Kevin Chevaldeoff continuing to be the guy going forward and obviously a little bit of a different line of reporting uh, without a board and without two competing media conglomerates uh, as the uh, as, as the, the owners, along with Larry Tannenbaum, um but when you think about the details or lack thereof, we got at the end of the season from Jets management about the plan going forward, what is happening. It was just, it was stunning, frankly, just how open Shanahan was. And now this is kind of sort of all playing out in the public. And, you know, you mentioned about Matthews being eligible for an extension. I mean, the thing that is so critical right now is that 
on July 1st, he gets a full and no move clause. So if they don't think they're going to be able to sign him and have to trade him, that has to happen before July 1st. So this has added a whole nother couple layers to layers to the NHL offseason. Um, but we will get to that in a little bit more on free agency, who might be out there later on for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, just speaking of hockey quickly, and we'll get to the NHL playoffs. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have any hockey at the rink this weekend. Um, the ice, after winning game number one, ended up losing at home in game number two and then dropping all three, uh, finally succumbing to Brad Lambert and the Seattle Thunderbirds in a fifth game. And um, they fall one step short of their goal to be WHL champions, but a hell of a season and a hell of a run for a number of players that probably won't be back in ice uniforms next year. And, you know, this was sort of the window for that team to make it happen, Remo. And uh, listen, as great as they were all regular season, they ran into an absolute buzzsaw of that Seattle team. And ironically, the Winnipeg Jets sending Brad Lambert to Seattle might have been a big reason why the Winnipeg Ice aren't playing in the Memorial Cup this weekend. It's funny, I did notice that uh, the Winnipeg Jets tweet out, oh, big congratulations to Brad Lambert on winning the WHL championship and making it to the Memorial Cup. And the, the replies were people you know, pointing out, hey, you know, you play in the same city uh, as the team, the team that he beat. But yeah, shout out to Brad Lambert. We, wanted, we did want to see some development from him this year. Started off, you know, in Europe, then played the juniors, and then played with the in the dub and really took off down the stretch was a huge, he was a huge factor for them and the talent on the Seattle team, pretty incredible with Dylan Gunther as well. And they really loaded up both teams loaded up for this matchup and Seattle, you know, winning three in a row at home uh, plus game two, taking the win. So they're off to the Memorial cup and, you know, great season for the ice. You know, last year they wanted to, I think they wanted to get to this point and they fell short. And this year they got to the championship game you, know, you didn't win, unfortunate, but I think you have to give them a hats off for a successful season and a successful run, and you wonder what happens to them uh, next season with the, the roster turnover that you said is going to happen. Yeah, well, one thing I do know is that Zach Benson's going to hear his name called earlier in the first round at the uh, NHL draft in Nashville coming up uh, at the end of next month. Um, and then, you know, a number of players, uh, Geeky, McLennan, Savoy, uh, in all likelihood, moving on. So, I mean, unfortunately, this was the year for the Winnipeg Ice. And listen, they had a phenomenal season. They did fall just short in not winning the Western Hockey League championships. And I guess now that the season is over, um, certainly the conversations around that club in Winnipeg will be, what is the future of the ice? Uh, will they be here? Will they continue to play at the University of Manitoba? How does that look going forward? And you know, speaking of tight-lipped organizations, I mean, we have not heard boo from Matt Cockle, the uh, GM, or um, really anybody uh, from the organization outside of the actual hockey product on the ice for a long, long time right now. And I would imagine at some point this summer, there'll be some clarity as to what is happening, um, you know, with this team. I mean, I guess I'm expecting them to be here next year. Um, certainly moving a club to an entirely new market. There's so much that goes into that. Um, you know, if that, and I'm not suggesting that it will, but I would imagine it has to be a possibility considering the arena situation. Um, I guess if that's happening, it would have to happen soon 
Uh, I have no reason to believe that is happening this year, but I do think there needs to be some clarity as to the future of the Winnipeg Ice, where they'll be playing, uh, all of the issues around the club that um, really haven't been answered through the pandemic up until this point. Um, it was all about the hockey, but now it's about business, and uh, we'll see what happens with the uh, with the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, speaking of hockey right now, Reen, Paul Maurice, one game away from going back to the Stanley Cup final, a one nothing shutout last night, thanks to Sergei Bobrovsky and the Panthers, having what scored only six goals in the series, are now 60 minutes, maybe more, away from going to the Cup final. What an incredible run for the eighth seed and the lowest seeded team by points in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And I know there's going to be a lot of reaction here from Jets fans seeing Paul Maurice one year after walking away from Winnipeg, joining the Florida Panthers and uh, really coaching the hell out of that eighth seed. Uh, so he was the one he told, put put in Bobrovsky, told him to be great. And he's been pretty awesome with his first playoff shutout yesterday. I mean, both series so far, so incredibly tight. Um, the first two games of each conference final going to overtime and Yesterday's game three, a one nothing win. I think it shows you how close these teams are. But the Panthers, they got Matthew Kachuk, who had the two overtime winners, and you know, too good to celebrate with his teammates. Thought it, you know, made it about himself by by walking off, Hus walking right off the ice. But but uh, Jeff Malott did it better. We all know that. Yeah, but uh, but um, hey, they're up three nothing, one game away. I don't think anyone predicted that, and. Um, I'm looking forward to the Paul Maurice, the new Paul Maurice gif being him lifting the cup instead of the waving on the bench. It's going to be him lifting the cup. So get ready for that one to be explode. I think social social media would break if Paul Maurice lifted the cup. Uh, and you know, congrats to him and Jamie Compon on a great playoff so far. And we'll see what happens in Game Four tomorrow. I would love. Here's a why not question of the day for you for not AutoCorp and hit us up in the comments. I'd love to know. Uh, how people are feeling. Like, does this run of the Panthers in the playoffs change the way you feel about Paul Maurice's time in Winnipeg or the end of the Maurice era or, or when it happened? Um, it, it's been fascinating having conversations about the Panthers and about Maurice with Jet fans over the last couple of weeks as the Panthers have sort of become more and more real uh, as far as a legit Stanley Cup contender. Um you know, some will say, and the funny thing is, there is a lot of revisionist history. A lot of the people that are saying fire Maurice, fire Maurice, fire Maurice for a long time. Now we're saying, well, it obviously wasn't Maurice. It was the general manager. It was the players. <laughs> and I mean, listen, that's part of the fun, the fun aspect of sports talk. Takes can change very quickly, Reem. But um, listen, Maurice is authoring. I mean, his team is authoring right now. An absolutely incredible story. When you think about where this team was mid-season, uh, you know, Panther Nation was basically saying this is the worst hiring ever. They've completely screwed things up. People wanted him fired in Florida this year, in this first year of the uh, of the contract. Uh, and they also thought that they probably couldn't do anything with Bobrovsky's dead contract at $10 bucks. And now Bob is leading this team to, uh, well, within one win right now of the Stanley Cup Final. It's absolutely incredible. These Carolina players are throwing their hands up. We can't, we can't beat this guy. Well, how are you supposed to score goals here? They're really out shooting, out chancing. And uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, he stood on his head. Um, you know, you can talk about what coaching and 
I joked in our Discord, I'm like, you've heard the saying, like, show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goalie. And Paul Maurice is making them, or sorry, not Paul Maurice, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is making them them look great. He's covering up a lot of, you know, errors, and he's been absolutely fantastic all playoffs. So I would think he's the leader for Conn Smythe if Florida were to win the Stanley Cup. And the idea of a Florida-Vegas Stanley Cup just seems so... Strange. I think it's got to be Kachuk. I mean, as great as Borovsky's yeah. been, he didn't start the playoffs. And I mean, Kachuk had mm. back-to-back OT winners on the weekend and has been leading them in scoring. It, it, listen, it's one of those two guys for yeah. sure. I think it's safe to say. Um, hey, we'll get to more of this in, in a minute. We've got Joe Piscucci coming up. T. Polly with this super chat. Thanks for the uh, super chat, T. Polly. Fire Chevy, hire the Hunter brothers, Marcus GM, Dale Coach, and promote promote Bones to the director of hockey ops. There's a take. Uh, I'm sure you guys can all respond to Tikonopoli's thoughts on that in the chat as well. Um, as I say, we've got lots to cover, uh, but I'm really looking forward to our next visit out to uh, Hockey Hall of Fame HQ with our pal Joe Piscucci. Uh, before we do that, though, got to give a big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops now with two locations or eight locations in Winnipeg including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. And Modern Man Plessy is hosting a grand opening event this Sunday, May 28th. I was at the grand opening event a couple weeks ago for Pemina. It was awesome. It's 12 to 5 p.m. You'll get a haircut for 9 bucks and proceeds going to the Prairie Wildlife Rehab Center. Plus, the first 100 people get a free lunch from their neighbors over at Crave Kitchen and Deli. You can visit their Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for more info, but mark that down. Great deal. Little something to eat. Great haircut at a great price for a great cause. Modern Man Plessy grand opening event, Sunday, May 28th from 12 to 5 p.m. Uh, listen, we got summer weather coming up this week and all of next week. We're already feeling summer right now. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home, whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, May long weekend is behind us, uh, but we are really, as I said, right into summer, which means motorcycles, uh, golf carts, cutting the grass, uh, <laughs> Manitoba batteries there for you. The gang of Manitoba battery can get you hooked up with the right fit for your motorcycle at the best price. Or if you need a lawn tractor battery, you can get one with 280 cranking amps for 42 bucks when you return your cord. That same battery is $30 more at the big box stores. And not only are they the best prices, but they're the most convenient. When you spend more than 60 bucks, Manitoba Battery will bring it right to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for free. To learn more, visit them at manitobabattery.com. You can always pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, just before we bring in Scooch, 
A big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. Won't be long before we're up, maybe meeting around the Rum Hut at IG Field. But in the meantime, you pick up Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and take a look for Canadian Club and Ginger Ale premixed cocktails now in 473 milliliter cans at Liquor Marts and beer vendors around the city. All right, this is going to be fun. We've had Joe Piscucci on a number of times with us, but uh, Scooch is now moonlighting at the Hockey Hall of Fame and joins us now from uh, from the TO. What's going on, Joe? How are you? I'm doing very well, and I hope the same for you. Yeah, no, listen, it's uh, it's great. Show's going well. Lots of uh, local things for us to talk about. So yeah. we'll get to what you're doing in a minute, but I have to ask you, what? We've talked about Paul Maurice before, his role here in Winnipeg. Yep. Uh, what have you been, what has been going through your mind as you've seen this incredible run by the Florida Panthers? Really, one toe save from Sergei Bobrovsky away <laughs> from being out in five games in the first round, like the home team here, and now one win away from going to the cup final. What's that old saying in hockey? I'll show you a great coach or show you a great goaltender, and I'll show you a great coach at the same time. I mean, Grabowski is uh, is my, you know, Conn Smythe uh, MVP for these playoffs. He has been amazing. This is the reason they paid him $10 million, and it took a few years, but uh, he's finally uh, earning his uh, his contract. But I, I, you have to say, he's been the difference. He is the reason why they're just a game away from the Stanley Cup. I think Carolina has done everything possibly that they can to try and score. But Grabowski just, he's just making save after save. That puck must look like a beach ball to him because he hasn't really missed anything. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is a guy that lost his job earlier this year, was yeah. not starting at the beginning of the playoffs for Alex Lyon. And, you know, I mean, credit where credit is due. I mean, Maurice yeah. said on the bench it was a 50-50 decision, but he figured that, you know, Bob with his experience was the guy that would go in and, I still think about that breakaway with five seconds left in game five. Brad Marchand going in, able to ice the Panthers. It doesn't happen. It goes to OT, and they have really not looked back since. Uh, it is, uh, it's something to be said. But the other thing, and Joe, this sort of ties into you know, what's happened or hasn't happened with the Winnipeg Jets in this offseason. Um, there are huge questions about players that, you know, have contracts one year remaining, Mark Scheifele, Pierre-Luc Dubois, or at least of team control, Connor Hellebuck as well. The Florida Panthers won the President's Trophy last year and yeah. then made probably the biggest trade of the offseason, trading Uyghur and Huberto and a first-round pick to get Matthew Kachuk. This is the guy that we're seeing night in and night out, the guy that they we're trying to acquire. But I mean, that's sort of a swing for the fences move. Not really something that we've seen from Winnipeg, but it certainly is paying uh, paying for itself right now with uh, what we're seeing in the playoffs for the Cats. Yeah, you got to give uh, Zito credit in Florida for making that trade. I mean, uh, obviously the Calgary Flames, their hands were tied once Kachuk said he wasn't going to re-sign there. But, the, you know, and Trey Living did make a really good trade on on behalf of the Calgary Flames, it just didn't work out that way. It seemed during this past season, uh, Huberto just wasn't the same player. But Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, what a leader. At, at times, though, he's been ineffective. But, you know, at crunch time, he just seems to always be around 
the moment, you know, with the two overtime goals. And, of course, he got an assist on last night's only goal of the game. And, you know, he is just a, a, an incredible factor. He just imposes his will like his brother Brady does in Ottawa. They just seem to impose their will on the game. And they have such a, uh, an, an astonishing effect, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, what if the Jets had not drafted Patrick Laine and had drafted Matthew Kachuk? Where would this team be? But Patrick Laine was the obvious choice after Austin Matthews. But as it turns out, you know, you'd rather have Matthew Kachuk on your team uh, any day, you know, over many of the players in that first round in that draft. He is just an incredible force out there. You know, he is uh, Brad Marchand on steroids. Yeah, he's got a lot of Brad Marchand in him. And, yeah. well, listen, and Marchand's a pretty incredible goal scorer as well. I mean, he he really does it all. It's the attitude of Matthew Kachuk, though, that I think that is, like, you know, there's some intangibles. There's a lot of things that you can measure. There's a lot of things that there's stats for, analytics for. The one thing that there really isn't is that passion that guys play for. And um, Matthew Kachuk, as I said, is somewhat of a unicorn or a very, very small group. And uh, this is the time of year that um, that you see it. Uh, and, man, we're seeing it on a nightly basis right now. It really has been incredible Florida Panthers. What do you make of the Jets situation, though? I mean, we talked about that big deal that Florida made last year. There is a lot on the table right now for Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets to, well, I'm sure they've figured out what they would like to do. How do you see this shaking out? And put it this way, in your opinion, Joe, what is the best course of action for the Winnipeg Jets considering all these seismic decisions they need to make? Well, I think, you know, the best, one of the best things, and I'm not sure I'm not the only one who says this, is trade Pierre-Luc Dubois before the season begins. Um, we saw, you know, his disappearing act, uh, in the playoffs and especially in that, in that final game to, uh, to Vegas, you know, and, and I think when Rick bonus lashed out at the end of the game, he, to me, he was talking about two specific players and that was Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, and, um, oh my God, his, his name escapes me, Kyle Connor, excuse me. How could I forget Kyle Connor? Those were the two players that just seemed to vanish in that series against Vegas after game one. You know, Adam Lowry was obviously the best player for the Jets in that series, but Pierre, they needed Pierre-Luc Dubois to, to step up. And uh, in the two playoff series, you know, for the Jets, you know, the one against Montreal and in this one, he just he was just n- not there. After the first game of the Vegas series, he kind of vanished. In my it, it, listen, I, I I've had this conversation with friends, and I'm sure I've said it on the on the show. I mean, how in the world it was the same guy wearing the jersey that was Pierre Luc Dubois in game number one of that series, mm-hmm. and Pierre Luc Dubois in game number five of that series? I mean, if you it, even if you didn't know anything about hockey, I mean, you just watched that first game and then watched the fifth game. Anyone would be asking, like, wait a second, is that the same guy? Um, because, I mean, it's and that's what's so frustrating, and I'm sure it was so frustrating for Bones. You saw what was possible when he's playing engaged at the, at, at the highest level. He can be, you know, a guy that is a real, real difference maker at the toughest times of the year. Uh, and then, I mean, just basically an absolute non-factor when you'd expect a team to be playing for their lives. 
Yeah. And maybe that's just who he is. You know, a leopard can't change his spots. Maybe that's who Pierre-Luc Dubois is. He can, you know, be a an outstanding hockey player. He can be a leader out there, uh, as he was for Columbus in that series that they beat the Maple Leafs in. He can be that player, but at other times he chooses not to be that player, to be somewhat indifferent. Uh, and so, I mean, I think that this, you know, he could have been, and he may be, you know, turn into the hockey player that we all think he is. But uh, right now, he's just hot and cold too often uh, to bring back for another season, and then eventually have to trade before the uh, before the deadline because he's not going to resign it. Yeah, that's certainly what uh, what we are led to believe. Um, the other thing that was so incredible about Bones' rat at the end of that series was that it wasn't just about a no-show by his team in Game 5. I mean, he couldn't help himself but to mention that it was the same crap that he was dealing with in the last couple months of the season. And I found that interesting that he would go there at that point, but to me it wasn't just about Dubois and Connor and, you know, their best players being so much better than their players in that game. It was also about what he'd been dealing with with Mark Shifley, I felt for at the end. And I mean, Shifley is such an important player on this club. And it was obvious that Bones had some real, real problems in getting him to play. Um, well, listen, they had to eventually move him to the wing. I mean, uh, uh, did, did you take that too? I mean, this wasn't just about that game. That was an eruption of frustration that had dated back over two months. Yes, and he he had, uh, I think, two previous outbursts after games. Uh, the one where he questioned the team's pride. You got to have pride, you know. And I think there were two occasions where he lashed out after a game. Was it the Islanders game where that was supposed to be the bounce back game, and the and the the t- whole team was a no show. Uh, so it, his outburst was it didn't come as a surprise. He has he had already done it a couple of times in the season. What's shocking is how, uh, you know, and Paul Maurice obviously felt had the same experience. He couldn't get the team as a whole to play the right way. You know, and especially after all the success this Jets team had had, their first place in the in the conference, and then they just completely collapse, uh, much like they did in 2019 when they were leading, uh, you know, first place in the central and then they just completely collapsed in January right to the end of the season. Well, exactly. And I mean, I think if you want to, I mean, if we're doing an autopsy on the window of the, the championship contending window of the Winnipeg jets that, you know, goes back to that run in 18. And a lot, many of us thought that man, this place, this team is set up in the next three or four years to be back there and be in the mix is the second half of the 2019 season. When, a lot of these issues became very apparent, Joe. And, um, you know, by the time, you know, the next year came around, you know, you do make a few moves. You, 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 I mean, all sorts of theories as to why the Jets felt that they needed to trade Patrick Line. I've got my own thoughts on that. But, um, you know, they they never got it back to that point. And obviously you miss a guy like Dustin Bufflin. That's huge. But Yeah. Yeah, except for one series. And the one team they seem to always play their best against and their focus is the Edmonton Oilers. You know, that series against Edmonton and even the games this season, they play the right way. But, you know, after that 
victory over the Oilers in four straight, they completely went back to playing the wrong way against the Canadians. Yeah, uh, too many individuals. Well, and you see the difference yeah. right now. And I mean, we can include the Leafs and a couple of others. Ser- I mean, when you watch the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes play right now, yeah, those two teams are playing at an engagement level that I'm not even sure we saw from the Jets at any point this season. I mean, it's just there is another gear of commitment on every single shift from the players. And listen, Maurice is getting that out of Florida and I think Rod Brindamore might squeeze more out of his team than anybody in the National Hockey League. And yet, uh, and yet, I mean, obviously they're going to in all likelihood fall short um, now down three, nothing, but you know, there is a lot of credit where, uh, where credit is due, but it's interesting. I mean, in the Oilers, <laughs> that Oilers series and Joe's exactly right. And for a long time, Winnipeg fans, I mean, we will always hold on to the sweep of the Edmonton Oilers, considering what Edmonton did to Winnipeg for so long when many of us were growing up. Unfortunately, um, a big part of that is the fact that there were no fans. And it just sort of is this outlier of a period of time that uh, for a lot of people, it almost seems like, uh, like it doesn't count. I was just saying, Joe, that Oilers series... As great as it was, and we'll always remember, whenever I go in the, on in the morning in Edmonton with Dustin Nielsen, I always find a way to work in the jet sweep of Edmonton. Um, but it but it does, it is this outlier because, of course, there's no fans, too. I mean, you see, it's so different than everything else that we've seen. And uh, But I'm glad you brought that up because that was uh, that was the highlight, frankly, in the last few seasons. Yeah, and, I mean, even this season, when they were on there, losing all those games and had that Saturday night game against, Right. And and Connor Hellebuck struggled for the first two periods. But the Jets won that game seven to five. Like Hellebuck came back to life in the third period and was the Hellebuck of old in that game. But that's the only team that they seem to really focus in on and play the right way for whatever reason. Maybe they just don't want to be embarrassed by McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, put your GM hat on for a minute. What are you doing with Hellebuck? He, I mean, he is the franchise player, if you ask me. He's so important. He's going to cost a lot him. of money. He's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, I, I listen, I'm sort of with you as well. Even if it's a Bobrovsky-type deal, uh, pushing nine and a half, ten million bucks? Why not? You, you can't win without a goaltender. You can't You can't win the Stanley Cup without a goaltender. Right? And if the Jets are going to be, you know, competing for a Stanley Cup, then they have to have goaltending. And if you trade Hellebuck, then you admit you're in a rebuild. And yeah, they say they're not in a rebuild. I'll say one guy that's pretty pumped about what's happening with Florida right now is probably Ray Petkow, Hellebuck's agent. Uh, maybe the agent for Sorokin as well. Going, oh, you can't win with an expensive goalie? Actually, it's happening right in front of our eyes. But Hellebuck also has to play better because I don't think we saw him at his best you know, in that series against Vegas, except for game one. I mean, he had his moments, but, you know, he, he he has to stand on his head more often. Hey, Joe, um, you're out there in southern Ontario. No. What percentage of conversations over the long weekend revolved around the drama of the Toronto Maple Leafs? What a wild Friday, huh? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. You know, you, you thought that the Jets were the only dysfunctional team in Canada, but hey, here come the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're going to do it one better, one better, uh, you know, than, than, than Winnipeg, you know, and yeah, I mean, uh, 
Kyle Dubas last week with his press conference on Wednesday and you knew something was up and on Friday the morning and listening to the, the radio stations in Colorado and they knew something was going to drop that day. You know, there's just, oh, it's the weekend, you know, a long weekend. They're going to drop something today. And then, of course, you have the, the press conference by Shanahan, who has been a Kyle Dubas backer, you know, because he let Lou Lamorello go, Hall of Fame general manager, builder of hockey teams, is so that he could keep Kyle Dubas uh, in the organization. And uh, maybe he felt that, uh, you know, Dubas said, uh, betrayed him a little bit, you know, asking maybe for more money or maybe asking for more autonomy uh, in decision-making. So, and then, you know, I know that, you know, Dubas had said that he had no, no interest in, you know, working for anyone else but the Toronto Maple Leafs, but apparently I guess that he's going to interview for the job in Pittsburgh. That was quick. Yeah, things change quite quickly uh, when you uh, get a pink slip. Uh, yeah, I really did, and again, I know some people, there was a lot of different ways you could have taken the initial press conference. I'll admit, and maybe I'm a bit of a cynic, I did think that a lot of that was posturing and maybe a little bit of negotiating in public. Um, it's quite clear that, you know, from Brendan Shanahan and potentially the board, they felt that Dubas overplayed his hand, and They've got a mess right now. I mean, they're talking about, and we're going to get into a little bit later on some of the possibilities for that job. But I mean, their franchise player, Austin Matthews, they need to figure it out before the 1st of July because if he's not interested in sticking around, I'm not sure that they could possibly trade him before July 1st and get that clarity that he won't be there. But they're running a very, very risky operation going in. He's got a full no move on the 1st of July it basically takes him right to free agency. And I'll say this, for all the platitudes and lauding of Kyle Dubas on the job that he's done, uh, I don't think he did a very good job with negotiating those contracts. I mean, he got bent over by Matthews, by Marner. The one guy that they actually held out with was William Nylander. Um, but but they, both... did give him, they did give him close to what he wanted. Oh, yeah. So... You know, with Marner, I mean, strategic release of the financial details. Marner wasn't signing. That kind of embarrassed Mitch into signing a lower contract. But, a you know, lower, it, just south of $11 million. Well, it was lower than what he was asking for. <laughs> and, and, you know, but I'll do this credit. At the trading deadline this year with, you know, hardly any cap room or space, he's able to get a lot of the players a lot of quality players that you know that you would have thought would make the maple leafs you know stanley cup contenders and many believe that, that it did so it's just you know but when your two best players marner and uh, matthews aren't a factor you know you can't win without your best players being your best players hey joe Piscucci's with us on uh, winnipeg sports talk joe just before we talk about what you got going on the hockey hall of fame it's been a bizarre, oh, I don't want to say bizarre, but I mean, it's about the quietest Blue Bomber training camp I can ever remember. I mean, you know, most of the usual suspects are back. The unfinished business tour will begin in a few weeks. You got Sergio Castillo came in for the kicking issue, which was the big topic in the chat all summer long. Uh, it's almost like, let's get on with it at this point. I mean, is there anything that is of... Uh, of interest to you from this training camp other than hopefully all the guys get through with it healthy. Yeah, I, I just I 
and it's like you know the, the gang's all here again and i just hope that this season there's more of a challenge to the blue bombers during the regular season than there obviously was last year um because you know when you're in when you're winning as easy as they did on on most occasions you know you kind of lose your competitive edge you don't and uh, for, you know, some reason, you know, the last two Grey Cups, though they won the one against Hamilton, they really didn't have their A game as they had during the regular season. So I'd like to see, you know, more competitive games against the Bombers during the regular season. I mean, I think they should still win the West. You know, this team is as strong as you've ever seen for the Blue Bombers. And, and unfinished business, that was the slogan in 2002 after... A great cup loss of 2001. So let's hope it's a different outcome in 2023, you know, for the Bombers and unfinished business. But there's no reason why this team shouldn't go back to the great cup another year. No, Just I like the team did in the 50s and 60s. I'm with you on that. The expectations are high. And I think, especially with Nathan Rourke going down to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, I think the BC Lions certainly on paper were the biggest threat to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Calgary always seems to be there. I mean, they'll just wake up and they'll be eleven win team and they'll be in the playoffs. What 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 is next for Edmonton and Saskatchewan after real rough seasons is going to be really interesting, especially in Saskatchewan with that swap of Trevor Harris for Cody Fajardo with the QB position. I and I'm I'm not not a big Trevor Harris fan. Um so I, I, I consider Saskatchewan still gonna struggle this year. Edmonton, um, they hopefully, for the sake of the league, they'll be better because that's usually one of the strongest franchises in the uh, Canadian football football league. BC, yeah, Nathan Rourke, if he was back, I would definitely had put them as the, the Bombers' main threat for 2023. But I think the Bombers, with all the players they've got back, they are hungry to make amends for last season. So I, I think, we, you know, Bomber fans should look forward to another exciting season at IG Field. You know, the uh, uh, the East to me is fascinating. I mean, it is as wide open, I think, as it's seen, we've seen in a long time. I think the Argos probably take a little bit of a step back with Chad Kelly as the quarterback. I'm not sure he has the maturity maybe to be that leader. I'll tell you what really intrigues me. It's the Ottawa Red Blacks with our old pal Bobby Dice getting a chance to be the head coach. I just think he is such a great leader of men. I think that he will get these guys to play for him. And uh, if Masoli can stay healthy and they actually have a legitimate CFL quarterback, I think that's a team that could surprise this year, Joe. Yeah, definitely cheering for, you know, for Bobby Dice, the former St. Patel Mustang uh, junior player. Um, you know, and he definitely is one of the good guys in Canadian football. And you want nothing, you know, but success for him and for Ottawa. You know, I mean, they did absolutely, you know, when they first came back, the Red Blacks, they were great. You know, they were a better than expected football team winning the Grey Cup, getting to a, a couple of other Grey Cup finals. But, you know, the losing ways have returned and that's got to turn around quickly or, you know, the football in the nation's capital will be, you know, will will be in a, a huge tailspin and fan interest will again be on the decline there. Uh, Montreal. Uh, Alouettes, I, I really don't know. They lost a lot of their players because of their ownership situation when it was in a flux. Um, so they're a team that 
I think will t- take a step back. I don't think they'll be a playoff team this year. I'm definitely hoping for Ottawa. And I, you're right about Toronto. I mean, a lot of question marks there. Andrew Harris, of course, is back. But he's going to be in more into a support role this year in his final season of uh, Canadian football. And I, I hope for the, the sake of the CFL in the Toronto market that the Argos don't take too much of a huge step back because it seems that in, in the past, most recent past, every time they win a great cup, they miss the playoffs the following season. And so that's not good. And you've got to like uh, Hamilton's chances with Bo Levi there. And I think Bo Levi has something to prove uh, this season after what happened in Calgary. And uh, I think that Hamilton, uh, you know, will be the number one team at the end of the regular season. Oh, Bo Levi's going to be uh, carrying around an Andrew Harris-sized chip on his shoulder. I can pretty much guarantee that. Joe Pascucci's with us. Scooch, it was so great talking to you off air, getting you ready to uh, come on and find out that uh, you're doing some work at the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, for all your incredible career and what you've done, it seems like you were put on earth to be in that office doing this. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I'm here at the Doc Siemens uh Resource Center of the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's at the Ford Performance Center. This is where the Maple Leafs uh, have their practices and all the visiting teams when they have practices in Toronto, they they come here to the Ford Performance Center. And so this is kind of a warehouse of all the huge amount of hockey uh, artifacts that the, the Hall of Fame has. They can't all put them at their location downtown, so they have them here. And so my job is they have this vast video, film, audio archive. And so I'm digitizing the video archive that they have and trying to digitize as much as I can. Like right now, I am uh, digitizing hockey from the 1981 Canada Cup on Betamax tapes. (laughs) For those of us who can remember Betamax. And the hardest thing was to find a Betamax player that actually worked. So we so we found one and we're just trying to get through all these tapes uh from the world championships going back to nineteen seventy seven all the way up to the uh late eighties and, and get those digitized so that they're preserved forever. Speaking and, of this yeah uh, let me just read us if you can let's play this clip that Joe sent us over and this is a. Uh, what is this? This is a penalty shot from 1937? 1937, January 12th. It's uh, the New York Americans against the Montreal Maroons. And taking the penalty shot is half ends. And this is how they used to do it. Think of a, a soccer uh, penalty shot. And you'll see the puck. It's in a circle just inside the blue line. And the player skates up to the puck and shoots. And he must shoot the puck from within the circle, and in this case, Hap M's, as you're going to see, Hap M's is the player who takes it, and he scores. Like, how you can score from that far out on a wrist shot? I just imagine that today. Yeah, Yeah. like, in today's day and age, even with the sticks, if you had, if that was a penalty shot today in the National Hockey League, what would the success rate be? 1%? 2% maybe? 2%. I would only imagine two percent, and maybe with a Bufflin slap shot, it might be higher. But so this was one of the uh, tapes that I had to digitize. But I so you can identify the teams, and then you try to find out, you know, 
a player or two that you can, you know, okay, so who's that? Who scored? Which game did he score? We didn't know which game he scored. So you, I've got to go through all the NHL, uh, you know, game sheets between the New York Americans and the Montreal Maroons, but they don't list penalty shots on those game sheets. So then I got to go through all the old newspaper archives and find out which one. And we found the game that he scored. And in the course of the research, we found that Hap M's, the player who took the penalty shot there, had taken a penalty shot the week earlier and didn't score. The NHL knew about the one that was on January 12, 1937, but they didn't know about the one the week before. So here at the hall, we informed them of this. They researched it on their own, and they've added it to the official NHL record. So I've had a hand in changing the NHL record. <laughs> this is so cool, Joe. Yeah. Um, by the way, before we go, and this has been so much fun, uh, you got a couple other neat things to show us there uh, behind the scenes that uh, your uh, HQ at the HHOF. I know this is partially radio, and uh, for you, those of you you want may want to watch this on. Uh, on on the YouTube feed, I'm gonna have to change the camera around just to give you a different perspective. So this is sort of my office here, and we're doing some construction here at the Doc Seaman Resource Center. I got to get my pass, otherwise I won't be able to do this. I know you're kind of crunched for time. This is great. This is great. This is yes, a- audio listeners, make sure to go and check out the end of our interview with Scooch here. Holy smokes! So 4,000 hockey sticks. They can't all keep them downtown. So here's 4,000 hockey sticks, you know, from various players, teams, and they go all the way back to the, uh, you know, the late 1900s. Some of, there's even a hockey stick from the world of Winnipeg, Victoria. So I pulled out two uh, to show you. You see the one here on the left. That is the stick that Stan Mikita used to score his 250th NHL goal. And obviously you can see the big banana blade curve on it. What a curve. <laughs> so that is, that is incredible. And then the stick here on the right, that is the stick that Darren Quint used to score the two fastest goals four seconds apart. So they're both here at the hall and of course they, they you know they get this you know moved into the displays on occasion but they, you know they 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 exchange some of the sticks downtown and they bring them here and they bring the ones here downtown my god man the stories in that room joe um yeah. <laughs> this has been so cool <clears throat> so cool <clears throat> i just have to say um it is so great to see you uh having such a good time out there. And uh, I got to tell you, we'll, uh, we'll definitely up. You can give us some more hockey hall of fame stories in, uh, you know, in a month or two or whenever we get you back on. And uh, I know you'll be all over the Canadian football league in the summer. So hopefully you'll have time to join us again on Winnipeg sports talk at some point in the future, but this has been a lot of fun, Joe. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for asking. Hey, See uh, you in a few months. get back to the, uh, back to the, 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 the video machines and the digitizing crank up that Betamax. <laughs> i have to it's incredible thanks bud we'll talk to you soon there is the man our pal scooch joe Piscucci, now uh doing some archival work at the hockey hall of fame and of course you know him as the longtime voice of sports in winnipeg and sports director for global and uh, c 
KND back in the day. All right, we've got that hammer coming up. Uh, hey, did you get a barbecue on the weekend? I hope you did. If you're looking for great, great things to uh, throw on the uh, on the queue, get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass fed bison and beef steaks and while you're at it pick up natural and organic supplements beauty products groceries and winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too all at great prices and when you order online you can now choose same day local delivery just place your order at myvita.ca before 11 a.m and you'll get your order that day orders placed after 11 a.m will be delivered the next day vita health fresh market empowering people to lead healthy lives seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace are great friends from the Unsung Hero program. Of course, are hard at work this summer as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And gang, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, wedding season's coming up. How's the closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about getting suits for the fellas. 15% off discount for all wedding parties when you get your suits at F. And if you've got a 2023 high school grad... Hook them up with a purchase with a new suit. And with that new suit, F Apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie. F Apparel's at 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Got a text from a very happy DQ Nick on the weekend that uh, shot a personal all-time record. I think he was 74 or something at Breezy. Very, very impressive, Nick. And I know where he probably went to celebrate one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. New summer blizzard flavors are in all your favorite ice cream treats, dilly bars, the, um, the obviously the, all the novelties available. And uh, if you need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake, you can also get them at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs or hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for a quick and easy pickup at any of the Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. All right, let's uh, let's get a little hammer time going on at WST. We welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's up? How was your long weekend? Haas, it was good. My long weekend, uh, I stayed in the city. Uh, I celebrated a couple birthdays. My uh, my mom, so my mom's birthday was on Monday, and my nephew, my little nephew's birthday was on Sunday. Saturday, I did get out on the waters, but that was uh, that's just code for garage sailing. So that is that season started in earnest this year, uh, so this summer rather. Mm-hmm. So pretty good, uh, pretty good week. Had it all off, but also uh, squeezed in some some work. So a little bit of everything, man. Good weekend. Hey, uh, it, when you're hitting the waters early in the season, is that is there a, is that a better time? Is there a lot of stuff that's been waiting in people's homes all winter long to then? be unleashed to the community through the early May garage sales? 
hard to put it into word sauce, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll try. <laughs> you know what? It's it's funny. This was actually late, uh, especially given the weather that we've had. Um, it usually starts in April. That's when like that's when people you know that's when the hardcores get out there, and so you got to check Kijiji. I don't even know if the people are posting on Kijiji or, or other places. I let you know Facebook's another good place to find out garage sales. I just I kind of just go around and look for signs and, and figure things out. But yeah, this is usually the best time. It's this has been like uh, there's another thing. This this has been like a a thing that happened over the last few years. It used to be you know get out early on Saturday, get the best stuff. I don't usually go out on Sunday because most of the good stuff's mm-hmm. gone. But Sunday is good for those who want to pick up deals. People are looking to get rid of their stuff. Um, but my point in even bringing this up is Friday's the new, the new night. There's like garage sales are now Friday, Friday night lights, we call it. So it's four to eight. It's not quite dark out. So, but it's, uh, that, that's when things get rolling. So I, I, I consider myself somewhat of a hardcore, but there's like hard hardcores who are out there, you know, combing the waters, if you will, and Friday getting all the, all the best stuff usually taken up. So the weekend's kind of taking a bit of a hit, but certainly glad to be back out there. It's, uh, it's a great place to be. Well, that's good. You, know, you can get it out on Friday because otherwise you've got to behave yourself Friday if you want to be an uh, early bird getting the worm at the, uh, the good sales on Saturday. Jeff Hamilton's sure. with us. Uh, all right, great talking to you, man. Uh, we'll yeah. uh, talk to you. No, yeah, <laughs> just a garage nice sale update. Um, listen, I want to get into a bunch of hockey topics. I know you weren't out at the camp this week, but... Uh, kind of, I mention the bombers just because normally this would be a time where we'll be talking about all these big training camp stories. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm missing a lot, or uh, I mean, are we just waiting for the season to get going? Check out a little bit of preseason action and then fire it up for game one of 18. You know, that's really what it feels like. It's just because you know, I mean, we've talked about everyone who co- who follows the bombers even casually understands that you know this team has been for the most part, um, been able to just return all its players, if, you know, minus, you know, a few, few here or there. Uh, so especially this year, you know, with, with what they were able to do in the offseason, bring a lot of people back, obviously, you know, bring in key, key additions like Kenny Lawler back into the mix to add to an already pretty good receiver group. Um, they have their quarterback. I mean, they have their DNs, all these good positions, right? They're running backs in place. There's really no question. Sergio Castillo got signed. He, you know, he blew up the whole narrative around, you know, the kicking competition, if you will. And so it really does feel like a, you know, like a waiting game. You know, let, let's get these let, let's get these games started, especially when you compare it to other markets around the league. Right. And, you know, I wrote this in my CFL rundown column a couple weeks ago. I don't think it was I think it was a couple weeks ago. I don't think it was last week's, but um, maybe it was <laughs> the weeks are blending in. But but every like even every team besides maybe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a question at quarterback. Even the guys returning. I mean, if you look across the league, I won't, you know, I'll make it real quick. But if you look at you look at the West, I mean, you know, Jake Mayer in Calgary. Okay, it's his first year of being the undisputed starter, and we all know last season, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell replaced him in the playoffs. Edmonton has Taylor Cornelius. He has an unbelievable group of receivers that they plucked around the league. Geno Lewis, um, you know, topping that list, obviously. Um, Stephen Dunbar from Hamilton, another another giant. Uh, last season and and so 
you know, but how is Corne- Taylor Cornelius going to do in what, you know, in, in another year? Is he going to be better? Is he gonna, are they going to have the O-line to protect him? You look at BC. Well, sorry. See you later, Rourkeville. Like, you know, now you have Vernon Adams and you go back to, you know, you might like him that he got a little bit of reps with you last year, but he's got to be one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks out there. Trevor Harrison, Saskatchewan, right? I mean, the new era in Ryderville after a disastrous season last year. Montreal has Cody Fajardo. Speaking of of of, of Saskatchewan, how how is he going to do? You look at you look at Toronto. Chad Kelly got the keys to the you know to the to the Grey Cup uh, you know defending club. I mean that's going to be an interesting one. Ottawa might be the most might be the most secure in in, in a sense, and that's because they have Jeremiah Masoli. But he had a broken leg last year, and he comes into the year. What's he going to look like? And of course, Bo Levi Mitchell. I was totally prepared to see this guy in a TSN panel job you know and now he's in the first of a three-year deal monster deal in Hamilton and you know the narrative around him is that he's a a gunslinger again he was straight up replaced last year so anyways that's just the one quarterback position and it's all all roundabout way of saying it's just boring in Bomberville right now and I think that's the fan I think that's the way the fans like it after so many years of dysfunction Uh, and it's no surprise that the Bombers are you know the favorites again to to go to the Grey Cup and, and potentially win their third in the last four years. Uh, I think we can all assume that Sergio is going to be the kicker. Um, will Legio be on the roster, and will he be the punter? Great question. Um, look, you, it's all I could come up with. You know, it's it's funny. Like <laughs> he's in a competition, but he's but it's an interesting competition because if Sergio Castillo is the kicker and the place kicker, I think we can all assume that will be the case. Uh, you don't go Canadian American, so like they've already kind of trimmed off their American punters because it just doesn't make any sense. So it really, it's a fight between Legio and, and a couple global, global kickers, right? I mean, um, I'd have to recall their names here now, but you know, I wrote about a couple of them too. It's just, it's just one of those, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have to have, you know, you have to either have a global or a Canadian there. So I think Mark Legio is in a good position to become the punter here, but by no means is he a slam dunk, and it's going to be a competition. If he doesn't get his, if he doesn't get his kicks, his punts, you know, angled the right way and and his kicks off well, um, I think there's a pretty short leash here. It's hard to say one way or the other, but the good news is we'll find out here sooner than later, and a lot of it will probably be determined about how they perform in a game because as much as you know, they go out early in the morning, so we don't get to see them a whole ton during camp because um, they want to be out there kicking with nobody on the field and. And, you know, obviously outside of, of actual drills that require returning, um, they don't get a lot of action in, in practice, right? So um, that battle's kind of being done quietly behind the scenes, but I think we're all going to get a good look at beginning this Saturday in, Edm- in Edmonton, you know, the preseason where those are live bullets and, and we'll see who can perform under that kind of pressure. And I'll tell you what, I don't think Mark Leggio has the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if he... You know, if it's a, if it's an even if it's an even competition, I'm not saying he loses out, but I do also don't think that you know he's necessarily the favorable guy in that position either. So again, we'll see what happens. But it's pretty funny we're talking about the punting uh, the punting role when yeah. you know it just kind of goes to show just just the, the state in which the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are at right. Training now. camp headline number one: Who's going to be the punter? That is uh, eight good problems to have. Everyone else in the league, I think, envies what Winnipeg has going into this season. Jeff Hamilton from the free press is with us. You know, Hammer, we usually are kind of focusing on the Bombers and Jets. Uh, obviously, the ice fell short 
in their championship series against the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, and we will get a chance to see Brad Lambert continue on in the Mem Cup this weekend. You're hearing anything on this team? I mean, they have been, we often talk about how tight-lipped the Jets are about things. Um, the ice might be even more tight-lipped on everything surrounding their tenure at the U of M. How do you see this going? I mean, I, I know and Mike Swatsky from your paper uh, wrote earlier on that, you know, listen, they have not completed the things that they said to the Western Hockey League they would, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but any insight as to, to what the future of the ice is now that this incredible season is behind them? Yeah, really no other insight to add to it, but there are some things that I think you can point to and 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 make an argument or at the very least not be surprised that they're not here next season. And that is, you know, when when the when the ice relocated from Kootenay, it was under, you know, there was a lot of anger coming out of BC, right? Be coming out of that market because they were taking the team and bringing them to Winnipeg and there was arguments this was the plan all along and you know, depending on who you talk to and who you ask, you get different answers. But the but the reality is, is the WHL approved the move because they believed in the ownership led by Greg Fettis, obviously, um, that they would be able to build an arena, that they had the wherewithal, the property, the abilities, all those things, and importantly, the time frame to get a to get an operable uh, building. Um, you know that 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 reaches the WHL standards, which includes you know several thousand people. I think the minimum is like 3,500 or 4,000 people. And that's the minimum. Um, they got, they were obviously looking for a 6,500 seat, uh, you know, arena plan. I, you know, laid that all out prior to the announcement years ago now. And that, you know, it's supposed to be this beautiful uh, development area of, of commercial. I think there might even have been, you know, there's lots of, and it wasn't just for the ice. In fact, the ice were going to be a tenant in the building, right? They, they weren't going to be the prime, you know, maybe they were the showcase hockey team, but this is supposed to, supposed to pretty much centralize the minor hockey community in the South end of the city. And, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of plans in place, like twinning the highways out in Keniston to make sure that there was, you know, not a ton of traffic that people could, could get in and out easily. I mean, this was, this was the plan. So with, with, with those, with that plan, absolutely in the garbage can right now, um, there really is no end in sight. There is no seemingly no light at the end of the tunnel. I know this group is confident um, in you know in their ability to get an arena eventually, but it hasn't hit the timeline of the WHL. And the reality is, is I mean, the ice can fight and complain about language. Uh, you know, they took exception obviously to the word "fine" that you know my colleague Mike Sawatsky uh, you know wrote about, and, and and that that every team got a lump sum on behalf of the Winnipeg Ice. Fine. Don't call it a fine. Call it a didn't live up to your promise tax. Because guess what? The Winnipeg Ice paid out to all those other teams because, you know, they were only housing, the, you know, they, they weren't housing a big enough arena and therefore the gate revenue weren't there. So the thing is, 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 um, is, is that with all that up in the air, I think the WHL, you know, is probably at their wits end. I imagine, as you mentioned, pretty tight lips. I don't think this is something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but it is something that if they can't get an arena deal done, they can't have a team here. So it just honestly, at this point, with everything you're hearing, with everything you're reading, um, it just feels like an inevitable move. But we'll wait and see. Anything can happen. And, and the other part is, I know I get a lot of emails from people saying, well, what about Candle Life Center? Well, no. <laughs> like, Candle, you know, first of all, True North is a competitor. Um, secondly, uh, 
they already have the Manitoba Moose, so they're you know already working around two hockey schedules. To add a third team in, not only is that a tough sell, it's taking money away from your other properties as well as the the opportunity for True North to have concerts and other en- entertainment stuff over the winter. So that's not enough dates. Like There's just I mean, not enough dates. At the end of the date, there is 100%. not enough dates. So, so you can ask Kevin Donnelly how challenging it is is just to schedule moose games in and what that does to you know some of their abilities to you know get concerts that they'd like to have in exactly when you have that busy of a building right now look they'll never say it but they're like you know the manitoba moose are a little bit of a inconvenience to that exact department you know what i mean like they would rather have a concert over a weekend than have two three manitoba moose you know games financially speaking obviously and so excuse me i um I'm thinking that unless the Moose, and I don't think they're planning to relocate any anytime soon, I know that they certainly appreciate, you know, obviously how close that team is for call-ups and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I don't see an opportunity for another team to come in, you know, rent that ice until, you know, as long as the Jets have, have both the Moose and the Jets playing there. Yeah, I mean, we were ta- I was talking with some friends on the weekend. We were going back over old Jets and looking at careers and whatnot and just thinking about, like, in 1.0 having – the farm team in Moncton and then early on in St. John's. I mean, the expense cost and time it takes to get players back and forth. I mean, I think they realize that there probably is some losses as it comes to, you know, maybe some events that they're not able to put on that would help the bottom line, but both for travel savings, I'm sure the area are significant, but also just the operations of the club, having the team that close Certainly, there are some uh, some big big benefits. Uh, we were talking with Scooch earlier. It was always I the saw that thought was the uh, so the Jets were going to be the Canadian team that everyone was sort of focusing on with all the big questions, and then uh, the Leafs just sort of roll in with that insane week, finishing up with Brendan Shanahan's presser on Friday, and now that entire organization is seemingly in you know one of those periods that I think people will look back decades later as a key key moment. I mean, what did you make a Shanahan's press conference and the fact that Dubas is out and now apparently potentially maybe even uh, up for the job in Pittsburgh after saying it was Toronto or nothing last week in his, his presser. Yeah. My takeaway was, <clears throat> was clearly, you know, Dubas overplayed his leverage. I mean, you know, he obviously knew how much he was liked in that building. I, you know, he certainly has a rapport with, with a lot of the key players in that, in that locker room. Um, but just to seem like the disconnect between him and Shanahan, right? You know, we're led to believe that, you know, they were incredibly, and they must have been incredibly close throughout their tenure, having to work so closely together. But it seemed like, it seemed like that relationship, you know, seemed to have a little bit of cracks near the end, right? I mean, they weren't sitting beside each other. Jason Spezza was his number one guy. Uh, they didn't do their press conference talk together. Uh, now we know why that's the case. Brendan Shanahan didn't want, um, he wasn't going to stop him, obviously, but didn't want Dubas to address the the media before a deal was done. Um, you know, and I think it was very interesting to, to hear Brendan Shanahan's comments. I mean, you just don't see or hear that type of openness in hockey. So it's a little bit glaring when you do. I'm certainly not complaining, but for him to for him to come out and, and give such a detailed timeline to how things happened. I mean, what I was left with that, and now we got to wait, right? Because there's always two sides to every story. And I'd be fascinated to hear what Dubas has to say about, about the whole thing. But it seemed like, 
you know, early on and, you know, er, when I say early on, I mean, early on that week, you know, before the media thing, it was like, you know, okay, conversations were being had. It looked like he was certainly coming back. Um, and then, you know, days go by, he addresses things with the media. I thought it was pretty interesting. It's not all that surprising to hear, you know, Kyle Dubas say about the impact on his family, you know, and, and, um, you know, how much stress that would have been being the GM of the, of the Leafs and how much time and, um, would have taken away from the family. I mean, that, that's certainly, you know, I think that's pretty obvious. It was also equally interesting to, to hear kind of Shanahan talk about that being a little bit of his reasoning behind his change of opinion. I thought he hid behind this whole idea that Kyle Dubas, you know, he, at that moment, he needed to realize that Kyle Dubas may or may not be the Toronto Maple Leafs GM or not want to be the Toronto Maple Leafs GM. Well, he got an email late Thursday that, that indicated he certainly wanted to be the GM. But the problem was, is the agent contacted Shanahan before with what I can only imagine was a contract that was way higher. Um, maybe not way, but certainly higher than the number that they were agreed on or the ballpark in which MLS he wanted. And for him to wake up the next, for Shanahan to wake up the next morning, drive down to his office and tell him with no uncertain words and no plan in place that he was not going to be the future of the, of the Maple Leafs while he was incredibly transparent. I can't help but to think there was some specifics in those emails or the ass or their conversations that turned things absolutely sour. Um, and that's the truth that I want to hear. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping Kyle Dubas uh, is willing to, to share some of that tea, if you will. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the other thing is we're seeing reports today that um, part of the demands of Dubas was that um, for all intents and purposes, Brendan Shanahan maybe no longer really uh, with that hammer when it comes to hockey operations. And um, I mean, listen, all teams are done differently. I mean, there's a very short line of operation from ownership to the general manager here in Winnipeg. There are a few more cooks. And uh, obviously at some point that can really complicate things. The thing is the most complicated though for Toronto. And, and, you know, I compare it to Winnipeg. I mean, Winnipeg, at least, we've got a pretty good idea about what the situation is. Dubois probably gone. You've got to make a decision on Shifley that I think they're intimately familiar with the pros and cons to it. Hellebuck, with one year left, the guy they would love to have here long term, but is that the best move for the club? And then, obviously, looking to try to find a taker for Blake Wheeler. Those are all pretty clear issues right now that they're working on. What Toronto, I don't think, was anticipating certainly not by what we've seen was having this happen now, not having a GM and having just over one month to get clarity on a franchise player in Austin Matthews. And we'll include Mitch Marner at that point as well, because both of them get full, no move clauses, which can take them right to free agency on the 1st of July with no ability for the Leafs to move on from them. Um, this in some ways could end up being a bit of a game of chicken. And there's a number of people that have said that, you know, with how close Dubas was with those players, and frankly, with how those players and their agents had their way with Dubas when they signed their contracts, in my opinion, um, what does that do to their willingness to stay part of this thing going forward, not knowing who the guy that's going to be calling the shots is? I mean, as fascinating as it, this next month or so is going to be for Winnipeg, I now put the Leafs right in that category as well. And it really could go a number of different ways. Oh, and they'll have way more eyeballs on them. That's that's the worst part. I mean, to your point about Austin Matthews, it's a it's a fascinating timeline because we're looking at what, five weeks before the yeah. before for July first. And so not only do you have to hire a new GM, okay, 
you then have to figure out who your head coach is. So is Sheldon Keefe sticking around? Probably not. I mean, he was a, a big Dubas guy. On, obviously still has one year left in his contract, but the, the Leafs have been very clear that the new GM will be hiring, you know, will be making the decision on the new head coach. So now you have to hire a GM. He needs to decide his, you know, the future of, of, of Keefe, whether he stays or they hire somebody new. And then within that time, you then have to meet with Austin Matthews and convince him of your vision. So at the same time you're doing introductions, you're also laying out your plans and how you envision the future. And I mean, look, there is there have been reports from you know insiders like Elliot Friedman and whatnot that you know it was not a slam dunk that Austin Matthews was going to sign an extension or you know within that time frame, even if even if Dubis was the GM, assuming Dubis was the G, still is the GM. Um, you know, in that scenario, maybe it gets done. I certainly would have a better feeling of it happening, but I don't know. I, I find this, I find sometimes we, we make too big, you know, too big a deal out of things. Like does Austin Matthews needs to think for months on months. You think he hasn't thought about his future already and where he wants to be, how much of that hinges on, you know, team leadership. I'm sure that has a, a big thing to do with it. But I also feel like if you look at their interview, if you look at their exit interviews and listen to their exit interviews, and I'm sure, Brendan Shanahan was doing this, they all seem like they were incredibly down to come back. They all want to, you know, all want to, you know, be winners in Toronto. And they got a very, very small taste of it by winning that first round this season. But I think there's some unfinished business there. I, you know, I don't know how many players want to leave Toronto after an era and be like, this is what we achieved. We got one, you know, we got one series win in in you know in our core and then we got bounced pretty early the next round so you know to me i i think maybe it's not a great thing to budget on or to bank on as as leadership but i do think there is some unfinished business there and money talks man i mean people want to be in toronto you know people you either really really don't want to be in toronto or you really really want to be and so uh, while i think while i think there's certainly going to be change there um it's going to be a fascinating uh five weeks you know um, we know that the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking for an experienced guy who can hit the ground running. They're not in a position to hire someone who lacks experience. They need somebody who can come in, you know, and, and, and do the work right away, get to work right away, be comfortable with, with putting their fingerprints on this team. But it really is becoming more of a player's say, say NHL. I mean, players haven't had more leverage ever uh, than they do now. And so particularly when you, when you hold those cards, um, with trade clauses and all those other things, and certainly when you only have one year left on your deal, you're going to have to get some clarity from these guys. How much you're going to be able to get over the next month and a bit is going to be fascinating. Um, bringing it a little closer to home, um, where's your where's your heli meter this week right now? Um, it's been interesting seeing you know a number of people from outside the market writing on the possibility of Hellebuck being moved, teams that make sense to potentially trade him. Before he's dealt anywhere, what do you what do you make of where Winnipeg is right now? And um, as they say, your uh, your meter as to sign trade, how all that works out. What are you uh, What are you hearing? What are you thinking about the Hellebuck situation as we speak today? Didn't LA clear a bunch of cap space, uh, or looking to clear a bunch of cap space so they could get they could get a guy like Connor Hellebuck? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still in the same camp. I think he's getting traded. I just don't think you can sell to Connor Hellebuck that this is going to be a Stanley Cup contending team, you know, well into the future, because uh, that's what he'd be looking for. He'd be looking for a decent sized contract. Obviously, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he gets, you know, because 
we're moving away from not only an era of having a workhorse goalie. Most more teams often than not have, you know, I don't want to say necessarily a one A, one B per se, but more teams are moving in that direction to have a bit of a shared crease. Um, and then because of all the work and all the, you know, the the, the games that Connor Hellbuck has seen over his career, are you really ready to give a, you know, give a goalie? And this is the same. We're moving into another era. We're already there. You don't really sign goalies for six, seven, eight years anymore at max dollars. It just doesn't make any sense. There is far too much evidence against it. And so, you know, that's all roundabout way of saying what is the market for, for Connor Hellebuck? You know, is he going to be, you know, there's going to be teams that want him and his one remaining year, right? This, they could see the team, that they have in front of them and feel that they're a goalie away from winning a Stanley cup. And so they might, you know, they might throw, you know, deals at, at the Winnipeg jets. And then there's the teams that want him long-term. Um, and again, I, it comes down to, you know, what, how he feels. I think he likes Winnipeg. I do think he likes what they had here, but I also think he acknowledged in his exit interview that things are, you know, things are, Probably not. Not probably. Things aren't working here. That a lot of the individuals on this team, the star players, could have a lot of success individually on different markets, but don't seem to be able to make it click or make it happen as as a as a current group with the Jets. And so, to me, I mean, I, I would I would be absolutely shocked if Kev, Kevin Shoveldayoff wasn't already fielding calls, wasn't talking to teams. I don't think he's necessarily proactively move. You know, saying Connor Helbick is on on the, you know, on the trade block, I don't think he has to. I think there's enough teams that can look at the situation, look at where he has, where he's at in his contract, look that he has one year left and, and make their best pitch for him. I just, you know, with all four of those guys that we've talked lots about, I see Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois as the two main guys that are going to be traded potentially. And I will go as far as to say probably before the draft, um, where that leaves Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, who knows? Um, but I do think with Connor Hellebuck, unless you can convince him, and I think that's going to be just too hard to do uh, this summer, that this team is is destined for better days, that they're going to be, you know, going to be – because the thing is he doesn't want to be a playoff team. He wants to be a contender. And and I think it's pretty obvious at this point with all the uncertainty going around this team and, and within the next five weeks, potential for massive change, I do not think they're going to get the players in return that are going to suggest that this team is, you know, again, headed for better days. Um, yeah, well, maybe not immediately. I mean, I think the, the plan would be that it's headed for better days, but probably by getting younger players, prospects that might take a little while, that's probably not on Hellebuck's, um, Hellebuck's time frame, if you will. Assuming Pierre-Luc Dubois is traded, what percentage chance you think it is to the Montreal Canadiens or, and then it's Habs or everywhere else? What's the number on the Habs? 80%. 80-20, and even 20 seems high. Um, I just think that they're looking to build things in Montreal. I think they're, you know, obviously looking to build things like all the other 32 teams are, are, are doing. But um, I do think they, you know, obviously like his, you know, French background. You know, I think there's an opportunity here for the, the Habs, and I, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, but, I, you know, there's a lot of rumblings about them being interested in a guy like Alex Lafreniere, right? I mean, a guy, you know, you talk about that guy in New York and needing a, needing a head coach to, to work with every him. good French guy. The Habs are well, are, 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 are looking for. Yeah. But I mean, but 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 look at like if you have a if you have two young guys, you know, because everyone's going, well, why would the why would the Montreal Canadiens, you know, trade for him? Why wouldn't they wait? Well, 
they're guess what Montreal's not a super patient hockey hockey city so this idea of waiting another year of crappy hockey is 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 doable but I don't think it's it's preferred and so if you can get a guy like a lot of the stuff around Alex Frenier right now is that he's you know he hasn't they need to find a coach in New York that can reach him that can bring out the best in him I'm not saying he's got you know, personality issues or anything like that. I just think he needs a coach to help him and guide him through. And Marty St. Louis is, is that guy. I mean, he, he would be the perfect fit for that. And then you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois, a young centerman for, I think that would speed up your rebuild pretty darn quickly. Um, so I do think there's a, you know, an appetite there. There certainly has been an appetite there in the past. And while, you know, we've seen that fall through, obviously as he became a member of the Winnipeg Jets, um, I don't think that's off the table now. And I, and I truly believe there's an, a very, very good chance that he's gone by the trade deadline and, and Montreal would be at the very, very top of that list. The trade deadline next year? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, talking sorry. About I'm talking about the, the draft. draft? My, my oh, yeah. yeah, draft. Okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. To deadline. me, that's something that he's needs to get done. gone by the deadline for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if he's not, and it, the only way that that doesn't happen is if he signs an extension. And I think most people would agree that that does not seem to be in the cards for Pierre-Luc Dubois here in Winnipeg. I mean, to me, I think this is a staring match right now. Um you know, when Kevin Chevaldeoff has said this, this is what we are willing to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for, and it's quite clear that the Montreal Canadiens either haven't wanted or haven't felt that they have needed to pay that price. Uh, and really, what is going to determine, I think, the return for the Winnipeg Jets on a Dubois deal is whether they can get another team or two interested in potentially acquiring him for a year or finding out that maybe Dubois has another team or two that he might be interested. I keep on thinking about the possibility of him going to the Boston Bruins. The Bruins the Bruins are going to, in all likelihood, need two centers to replace Patrice Bergeron and Krejci. And for a young French guy like Dubois, even if he grew up loving the Habs, I can't imagine that, Pierre, uh, that Bergeron isn't one of the guys that he really looks up to. And to follow in his footsteps in a great sports market like that, on a team that was the best in the National Hockey League last year, like I don't think it's unreasonable to think that that's a situation that he might want to stick around in a little bit longer. And when you think about the Habs maybe procrastinating getting this deal done and all of a sudden having a team like Boston in the mix where all of a sudden he stays and then you're dealing with him six, seven times a year for the next however many years... That would be a beautiful, beautiful outcome from a Jets standpoint right now if you feel that you're sort of being held hostage by the Montreal Canadiens. But L.A., I mean, there's some other teams that need center help and depth that I think would have the possibility of keeping him around. A, would take a young centerman in his, in his early 20s, right? Especially one with, and I know there was some, you know, look, as, as, as unique of a game that Pierre-Luc Dubois has, he certainly is your modern-day power forward, right? I, you know, I, he's the kind of guy like, uh, you know, and I use Adam Lowry as an example because, not because I think they're in the same tier whatsoever, but he's the kind of guy that if he's not scoring points, he can do something else to have a positive impact on the game. The, the Jets have far too many players, a la Kyle Connor, a la Mark Shifley, a la Nikolai Ehlers, that if they're not scoring points, they're really not impacting the game on a positive, you know, they're not getting super physical they're, you know, they're not doing other elements of the game that bring a positive out- outcome to your team. And so, um, but I think what's interesting about Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I don't think it's been talked about a lot is I, I'm curious, and this happens when it comes to trades and needling for the best deal or whatever. I'm very curious about the health of Pierre-Luc Dubois. 
um, and, and how it stands, you know, and because when you get these trades, like, cause there's physicals, right. In the summer, um, in the off season, a lot, a lot of the trades, I'd be curious to know what the, what the results of a Pierre-Luc Dubois physical would be. We know he has some hip issues, some hip injuries, and I'm not saying that that would be enough for say a, you know, Montreal Canadians to, you know, not want to, not want to complete a trade, but it might be enough for them to be like, look, he's banged up. He's injured. We, you know, we want to, we want a different deal for it. I mean, we're talking speculative here, obviously, with deals and stuff. But I do think that his health status is an important one. It's a particularly important one for teams who want him for a year. Because if he, you know, look, like, I mean, Pierre Dubois, you could go as far as say he barely practiced last year. He did a lot, had a lot of maintenance days, right? I mean, he had a lot of, you know, t- even in the playoffs, like he wasn't, you know, there was – he wasn't out. At, he wasn't out for regular practices. He missed morning skates because of this this lingering hip issue. And so, just how serious is that hip issue? How much is it going to affect him next season? You know, those those are the questions I would certainly be asking if I was a team outside of the Montreal Alouettes and was looking for him as you know, if you're the Boston Bruins, as you say, Haas. You know, if, if you want him for one year or you feel like you can only get him for one year, what's that year going to look like? So, lots of questions up in the air, but certainly we're going to get some answers here. And uh, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully within the next month. Yeah, I, I still do wonder what other G- – listen, I think GMs realize. And, and, you know, if you've got a good veteran coach in a good room, that you can kind of bring him in. And I would almost say the same thing about Shifley. I mean, to come in, you're not leaning on him to be the guy, but a guy that can play at a very important role, that can do the things he does well, but have the culture dictated by other players in the room. I think that's the perfect scenario for him because I mean, for if I'm a GM, Dubois? yeah, interesting. Well, uh, listen, I would have said, mm-hmm. said that about another <laughs> high-end jet center. I don't know if I would say that about Pierre Dubois. Well, Shife, he... that's what I said. I said oh, I'd almost say okay, yeah, I, yeah. I said both of those, but I mean, I started with Dubois, and part of the reason is, is that if you're like, I just still can't get over how different. Pierre-Luc Dubois looked in game one of the series against Vegas where he looked like the most dominant player, like the guy that the Jets traded for, the best-case scenario of him, and a guy that, well, I saw his jersey out there, but I'm still stunned that that was the same player wearing that jersey in game number five when you would have thought that this team was playing for their lives. I mean, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around that from someone that watches every single game, and I guess if I'm a GM... Um, like I, I, listen, he does a lot of things. Well, I think that his consistency is not where it needs to be for a guy that you're going to hang your hat as he's going to be your guy going forward. And I mean, there are some similarities to me between those two players as different of players as they are. Oh, for sure. And, and the only difference, like, and I mean, I, I was kind of going on a point about the knocks against Carolyn Dubois. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, you know, the shift in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I not quite put it up there with, with that, but there was a couple shifts in game five <laughs> that, you know, Pierre Dubois, as you mentioned, did not did not help his cause for being, you know, for being a committed guy. But I just I look at that and it's hard to it's hard to say what was affecting him by game five of that of, of that series, right? I mean, again, he's had a lingering issue. He didn't practice, you know, in Vegas that leading up to that week Didn't really practice all playoffs. Didn't, didn't go, you know, was, was not there for the morning skate. I mean, this was a guy who was clearly nursing something. So maybe that played a role in role in all of it. But I certainly look at Pierre-Luc Dubois um, tenure in Winnipeg and I see far more examples of a guy who gives a crap than a guy who doesn't. 
Um, and obviously, of course, you want that to be heavily favored in the give a crap part than the not. But I did see, I mean, in that entire year where the Winnipeg Jets were just, you know, a disaster where they missed the playoffs by 10 points, the one consistent guy night in and night out was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And so, and, and to, just to your point about, you know, I think a guy like Mark Shifley would benefit from being behind the scenes, like, you know, being a quieter part of a leadership group that didn't involve have, having him wear a letter. Because I think he, and I really do think, like we talked about Blake Wheeler and the burden of having the C. I mean, there's a burden on Mark Shifley being an A. You know, he clearly is not interested in, you know, being accountable through the media to the fans. You know, he, he doesn't like media, doing media much at all. Um, certainly has some issues with coaches and stuff like that. And is probably not the greatest example for his teammates on how to conduct himself. But he's a terrific hockey player that if you put him in the right culture in the right circumstance could probably flourish he already proved he's a 40 goal scorer this past season he's been a point per game guy for the seasons prior to that for the most part so he's got a lot of upside to him it's just how do you put him in the right scenery and the reality is is that mark wasn't like this the entire time in winnipeg this is you know it's obviously weighed on him as being a jet and I think he would really benefit from, from a change of senior. I don't see it as much for Pierre Dubois, but the problem is Pierre Dubois, I think, wants different, right? I think he wants to be in a bigger market. I think he wants to be in a city that he can explore, you know, with his partner over the weekend and get into all the, the other hobbies and interests that he's in. If that's not Montreal, that's somewhere else. And so there's a, there's a, there's a couple different reasons for why these guys would benefit in other places. They just aren't necessarily all aligned. Hey, uh, Jeff, before we go, uh, the one thing that uh, honestly has been probably our biggest topic last year that hasn't changed much but is on the back burner when we're talking about your top two centers and your franchise goalie uh, is the blue line. Um, what do you think the future is for Logan Stanley, Billy Hanela, and Declan Chisholm with the Winnipeg Jets as it pertains to next season? You know, it's an interesting question. Um if we go based on what we saw last year, I think, I don't know. And I know those people who love Billy Hanela. It's not my decision. It's not my say. It's not like, you know, but it just doesn't look like he's on the, in the top six or seven depth chart. And until they move a guy like Logan Stanley, who, you know, clearly asked for a trade last year, he doesn't see himself in the mix. He doesn't view himself as a, as a seventh defenseman. who's getting in and out of the lineup, but we've also seen the Winnipeg Jets be, reluctant to give guys their wishes, their trade requests, right? If it doesn't benefit them. And the reality is, is that, you know, I get emails all the time being like, what could the Winnipeg Jets get for Logan Stanley? Clearly not that much or clearly not, not to the, you know, to the benefit of the Winnipeg Jets or at least not to what Kevin Sheveldayoff thinks because it's not like they haven't tried. He's been the guy that, you know, has been a sprinkle in on potential deals, stuff like that, but they just they just haven't panned out. The value of his is not super high, and whether the Jets are just unwilling to accept, you know, moving on from a guy they drafted and traded up for in the first round, you know, this organization isn't exactly one to admit its faults, um, clearly. Uh, so maybe that's kind of keeping it up. I really do see a situation that if they cannot, you know, if they cannot deal a guy like Nate Schmidt, and I know a lot of people want Nate Schmidt gone, you know, he's got a he's got what two or three more years left on his deal. That's pretty expensive price tag uh, for him. Maybe a team, you know, maybe a team would want him, but they certainly would not probably swallow the entire contract. So the Jets, we've we've seen in the past, have had you know been adverse to 
you know, paying for, for players that aren't on their lineup to, to, to swallow any of that money. Um, that will depend, but, uh, you know, barring, barring an opening, I could easily see a, a Declan Chisholm and they, and they, uh, and a, and a Logan Stanley sharing the seventh defensive spot. That might not be ideal, but I don't think you can have those two guys in your top seven, because the last thing you need is, is to have a Johnny Kovacevic situation happen again, where you're just giving away a guy for nothing. So um, we'll see what happens. That was the big, that was the, the, the big thing or the number one item on the to-do list last summer. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, while still a very important piece of their, of their, you know, business this summer doesn't fall, doesn't fall really within the top five or, or if it is, it's the fifth, fifth uh number five after you know figuring out those four players we've been talking about so um that would be my guess but who knows i just i I think at this point in time the winnipeg jets need to find a new home for billy hanel if he's not in your future plans you need to deal with them problem is they've you know essentially decimated his value no one's going to be giving you know no one's going to be giving you know top top dollar for a guy who who the Winnipeg Jets can't seem to get get in on their blue line. So um, yeah, we'll see. But I, I really do think Billy Hanel is more more most likely gone. Logan Stanley as well, if they can find a deal. But outside of that, I think you have to give give Chisholm an opportunity with with the team next year. And and you know, and if that if Logan Stanley's still with the team, gonna have to probably share duties with him. Well, and I mean, listen, even if you take Stanley out of the mix and say that he's moved at the draft or whatever. Even with Stanley not there, Dylan Sandberg needs a contract. He's a restricted free agent. And then you've got Morrissey, Schmidt, Pionk, Dylan, DeMello, and Capobianco signed for next year. So there's seven defensemen right there. I mean, even if you trade Stanley, there's not the room right now for both of those guys who will be exposed to waivers if they get dropped on it. And that is definitely not the way I think the Winnipeg Jets want to uh, to go about it, especially as you brought up considering what happened with Johnny Kovacevic, uh, Kovacevic last year. Um, well, I'll tell you what, no shortage of uh, interesting topics for us to kick around. It, it is slow right now, and we have not heard much. And listen, that is part of the way things work with the Winnipeg Jets. There's not a lot that comes out until there's a reason for it to come out. But um, do you think we'll be in this holding pattern for the next few weeks or just with the amount of work that needs to happen, might we see some moves well in advance of the draft or at least one to get things going, say earlier in June, or are we expecting a flurry of activity, whatever they can get done in and around gathering in Nashville? Yeah, I'd say the NHL is not a huge fan of taking away attention from the Stanley Cup finals. And so you might have you a, might have a week not, off with no hockey. Actually, have, depending on what happens in the next well, few yeah, days. Well, yeah. So, but I think you, yeah. So maybe that does play. I, I mean, it, I'm not saying teams are banning trades during the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they do like to have the attention focused on the Stanley Cup playoffs and not elsewhere. Um, I do think I do think Pierre Dubois gets. I don't think it's a draft floor thing. Whether it's days before, weeks before, I think he's probably the first one gone. Um, because you also need, cause think about it, right? If, if you've already had conversations with Connor Hellebuck and he doesn't want to be back next, he doesn't want to be signing long-term, then you're, then you're doing deals. If he, if the conversation is, well, I'd like to wait about my future. I'd like to, you know, figure this out. I'd like to see, see what direction this team is headed. Well, depending on what you get for Pierre Dubois could determine exactly where Connor Hellebuck's head's at. So maybe he's waiting for a chip to fall or, or, you know, Players are all waiting for chips to fall. It's going to impact each deal 
you know, that happens here with a key player is going to impact the opinion of the next key player who's up. And so, and I, I really do think Pierre-Luc Dubois is number one on that list. I could see his trade being done shortly after the Stanley Cup playoffs, shortly before the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and certainly before trade deadline. That's my one, or sorry, I keep saying trade deadline, but I, what I mean is the draft. I, I, I could easily see him being done well in advance of the draft because they got so many other pieces they need to take care of too. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, it'll be uh, very busy, and there's uh, a lot of things on that to-do list for the Winnipeg Jets general manager. Hammer, awesome stuff. Next Monday... If you get any great treasures when you're hitting the waters, I'd like you to maybe show off something from uh, from whatever you pick up next week on uh, your visit. That could be something fun we can do after the uh, after the weekends when you join us early in the week. Yeah, let's maybe do it when when uh, Scooch isn't bringing you behind the scenes to the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> it just feels like feels like a little bit underwhelming. I know people are excited about my you know my garage sale adventures, but just something tells me that giving them a sneak peek behind the uh, you know the the overflow, if you will, of the of the Hockey Hall of Fame versus uh, Jeff's junk, I call it, over the weekends might not be uh, might not be aligned. But uh, certainly appreciate being on. We, we will do that moving down. The I'm going to tag along with oh. you one of these days. We'll yeah. get some good. That, that's a great content opportunity, to be honest with you. Huss and Hammer, uh, you know, with that Jeff's junk hitting the waters with Huss and Hammer. Right? That's yeah, right on. makes a lot of sense. We've got to make it happen. Have a great one, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, my man. Good stuff. There is Jeff Hamilton. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. You can check out all of his work over in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Well, we did hit Bombers. Of course, training camp continues. We've got preseason action coming up. CFL preseason actually began yesterday with the uh, Elks and Stamps going at it. Um, of course, we're ready for bomber season, and we're ready for those Princess Auto tailgate parties before each and every game at IG Field. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and WST, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, those are the two Winnipeg locations. You can also shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, shout out to our friends over at Consolidated Supply, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used, is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Not to mention other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. Not to mention small engine parts and repair. Consolidated Supply has you covered in so many different ways. Pop by and see them. At their new showroom, open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. And by the way, shout out to Joe at Consolidated Supply because he sent me an email. He's going to be firing off some bomber home opener tickets that will be plopping in the marble race either this weekend, this week, or next week. So be sure to join us on Friday afternoons for that. Um, Royal Sports. Is busy, busy right now, man. Uh, there is so much new stock coming in for spring. Uh, you know, for soccer, softball, baseball, tennis, tons of bikes, and of course, mo the most shoes you will find uh, anywhere 
especially with some of the world-famous tent sales. We'll have a couple more coming up this summer. We'll tell you about those. But in the meantime, whether you're looking to get out and make the most of spring and summer or uh, just get that latest piece of merch for your favorite team, Royal Sports is the place to do it at. 750 Pemina Highway is the Royal Sports Superstore. And follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. Still time to jump on that Fanalytics menu that's featured right now at BP, including those deep fried pickle spears and the new triple play combo. You can also, of course, enjoy ice cold schooners, world famous Boston wings and gourmet pizzas and pizza flights from the latest from the BP feature menu. And hey, if you're staying at home, you can always order in and get the great taste of Boston pizza online at Boston pizza.com all right we still have got a bunch of things to do we got horse picks to go and uh but let's get remus back in here um man a couple of great guests to start off a short week with scooch at the hockey hall of fame and uh man we really uh hit for the cycle with hammer hitting a whole bunch of great topics that uh, people seem to really enjoy it as they always do when jeff and joe join us yeah first of all joe at the hockey hall of fame and the chat totally uh lit up there, when he went to the room with all the sticks, and he showed me before because we were testing to see if the internet worked, and he showed me uh, what they have some hockey cards back there, like categorized photos. Um, uh, that was very cool, and I know a lot of people enjoyed. If you, you know, if you're listening on the podcast, come on the YouTube to watch uh, Joe Biscucci's VHS players, v- VCRs behind him, all the old equipment to do that digitizing so that was awesome and yeah number of topics with jeff bombers leafs uh jets winnipeg ice as well a lot of intrigue what happens with them next season i mean it's crazy to think that they are playing in a 2000 seat arena and you have the quebec ramparts who just won the what their ch- league championship they're playing in front of eighteen thousand at the videotron center uh i mean the guy ga- i know the different leagues one's Q- the q one's the dub but i mean still um uh, I mean, I I don't know what what you do with the with the ice here going forward, but they did have a fantastic season, and um, we'll have to see if anything happens there with them for next season. As far as the Jets, I know I'm going to the buffet. I do, uh, you know, I like the topics on the defense because we haven't really touched on that. And last year, all summer, we said they got to trade a D for some forward depth. They did not do that and lost uh, Johnny Kovacevic, who played a great role. He played a role with Montreal in their starting lineup. But you wonder, does something happen with Logan Stanley and Billy Hainala? Uh, Marat wrote in The Athletic over the weekend, answering his mailbag, saying that, uh, oh yeah, he said, Hainala politely asked to be played in the NHL or moved more than once over the last couple seasons. And we know Logan Stanley uh, requested a trade as well. That was reported. So you wonder what happens with those guys. How do they make room for them? They have all these veterans. And then well, with, with contract the same way. And, yeah. you know, basically uh, said he ripped his ass open for the team. I believe That's that right. was the headline that we saw it from the German newspaper. Um, and listen, I know a lot of people sometimes, I mean, depending on what their angle is, I mean, if they're trying to make the, you know, the team look bad or say they've mismanagement, oh, how could they do that to those guys? Folks, listen, I worked long enough in the American Hockey League to know that, go to every single team in the National Hockey League and go to their American League affiliate, and there's two or three guys that think that they should be playing in the National Hockey League, and they're not getting a chance. That's just the way things work. However, um, you know, at a certain point, you need to make decisions on these players, um, and I think the Jets are going to be forced into those decisions coming up when it comes to Hanela 
and certainly Declan Chisholm. And from a Jets perspective, I'm not sure that they felt that Leon Gavonka is an NHL player. And uh, listen, I know enough people that spend a lot of time watching the American Hockey League and thinks that Gavonka, you know, is definitely a very, very good AHL player. Not sure that he translates into the NHL. Now, if he gets his chance somewhere and makes the most of it, I mean, he's he'll have an opportunity at some point to make people that didn't believe in him look bad. Um, but as of right now, he's just been too far down on the on the ladder. And listen, Johnny Kovacevic was a similar way. I mean, a very important player on the Manitoba Moose, but a guy that I think when the Jets were looking at their top defense prospects, didn't think that he was uh, he was right there. And Listen, if they knew they were going to put on waivers and get and uh, and get picked up for nothing, I mean, I'm sure there would have been some sort of an attempt to get some sort of asset back, and that didn't happen. So, I mean, asset management is what it comes down to, and there's a ton of uh, very interesting asset management conversations we'll have when it comes to the players within the team right now. And, of course, so much of that also to do with potential trades of those members of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, hey, I got to do a quick golf report for our friends at Breezy. Uh, Breezy Ben, of course, Breezy looking great right now. Shout out to Craig and the staff there for getting it ready to go uh, so early in the season. It's just looking f- absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you're thinking about getting on the uh, waiting list for next year to make it a long time, long-term home for you and your golfing family, go to breezyben.ca or give up pal Corey Johnson a call for more information on that as they're uh, packed for this year. But man, what a weekend at Oak Hill for the PGA Championship. And uh, the big game hunter, Remus Brooks Kepka back on top, wins his third PGA and fifth major. And uh, of course, a big day for the uh, Live Gang as uh, I know Cameron Smith is the defending Open Championship, but he wasn't with Liv when he did it. This is the first active Liv golfer to win a major championship. And uh, there was Brooks looking pretty uh, wired, if you will, <laughs> at the Panther game last night. And Brady Kachuk crushing beers in the Wanamaker Trophy. If if the Panthers win the cup, I know Brady won't be drinking out of it for his brother, but he was more than happy on crushing a few out of the Wanamaker yesterday down in South Florida. Yeah, a couple of things. One, uh, that was the talk of the PGA Tour coming in. Would any of these live guys who are playing in these, like, I don't know, these joy, like beer league equivalent tournaments, us win, be able to, you know, pick up their game for the majors on the PGA Tour? And the answer is yes, with Brooks Kepka taking them down the PGA Championship. And he wasn't at the Panthers game. He was at the Peas game, Huss. I don't know if you saw game. that That's interview right. Sorry. where he said he was going to watch the Peas. I think yeah. it's the first time anyone has ever called the Panthers, the Peas. Justin Nielsen was. said the exact same thing to me today on the lock shop. Have you ever heard anyone refer to the Panthers as the Peas? No. Just and, Brooks. And there there he was in the reverse retro Panthers jersey, which I think is better than their... The Panthers jerseys, I'll be honest, like suck. Like if they make the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they got to go back. Stanley Cup final. They got to go back to the 96 jerseys and bring... Because I, I think they're... Brooks current. was wearing a 96. Was that a Van Beesbrook or just a Panthers 94 jersey? I think it's um, uh, Lomberg or something. Isn't that who it is? No, it's that's this year's reverse retro um, Panthers jersey. Oh, isn't the reverse retro is the the one with the the stick and the palm tree, and it's like oh, a lighter. I think blue? it was the the first reverse retro. Oh, okay. Because it looks like like the OG blue, yeah, and that's Panthers way jersey. better. 
That's way better than the one they have now. Per that's my opinion Waiters. as a Jersey connoisseur. Only, but only real fans call them the peas. By the way, <clears throat> the connection between Kepka and the Panthers is pretty hilarious. And I don't have a date on this, but you will recall when Brooks got all liquored up with his buddies in a suite at a Panthers game a couple months ago, and he was yelling at Ekblad and holding up a pylon calling him a traffic cone. You are a pylon basically getting all over Ekblad. And of course, then people took videos of it and put it all over social media. He apologized afterwards. They've worked things out. But if you actually go back to that moment, the Kepka Ekblad traffic cone incident, I think since then, the Panthers have been on an absolute tear, which they had to do just to get into the playoffs. And since then, Brooks is second in the Masters and has won the PGA. That could be the turning point for both of them this year. Crazy, crazy. And the other, so the other thing, too, was Brady Kachuk. Uh, sorry to keep going on this, but, you know, coming into the series, I was like, look, last time we saw Brady wearing a Flames shirt, you know, uh, double fisting beers in the stands, he was pretty subdued yesterday in the box there. And, he said he's not doing it because they're both in the East now. Oh, I, th I mean, it is a weird look, and I think that makes that makes sense. But he did slam back from the, uh, what's it called? What's the? The Wanamaker. Wanam I get The Wanamaker trophy. Not the Claret Jug. That's a different one. So there you go. He, I mean, anytime, any trophy that's great for a holding liquid, you got to drink out of it. Yeah, well, for sure. And that's a big one. I think he went on part of my take after he won. And I think that thing can hold like 15 or 16 beers. I mean, it is, uh, oh. it, it's big. It's got a lot of volume, a lot of volume to it. Um. <laughs> Well, you'll have some time to uh, – the off-season is here, of course, and uh, we're going to have to do a fishing segment at some point, maybe with Pitt at one point, point. Bottom line is if you're thinking about getting out on the water at some point this year in a world-class facility with even better world-class hospitality and fishing, Aikens Lake is the place to do it. Check out more online at AikensLake.com and learn about the one-of-a-kind Aikens experience. Uh, they do have – Limited availabilities for trips this year. <laughs> and, of course, already booking into next year. Give our pal Pitt Turen a buzz. Find out more about what Aikens Lake is all about. I can't wait to get there a little later on this summer. And we will certainly let you know about it on our WST channels. Um, speaking of summertime, Remo, I made it to the Gold Eyes on the weekend. And, man, it was great to be back at the ballpark uh, Awesome crowd on Friday night for the uh, home opener. I think it was well over 5,000. And, you know, you can really tell about a big, big crowd by the lines at all of the concessions. Um, craft Beer Corner was absolutely packed. All of the bars had long lines. And maybe the best gig in the building on Friday was the beer man. Because they basically just got their racks. They'd stand up at the start and bang. They'd be done and they'd be filling it up again. Business was very, very brisk at food and beverage at Shaw Park. And a great win to start the season. He did lose yesterday to avoid completing the full sweep. Or sorry, I guess that would be Sunday. But they're right back at it beginning another series tonight. And uh, I'm not sure whether I'll get there tonight. Might go to the track tonight and then head out there in the next couple of days. But oh yes, you've got the post. And I have done some food ballpark food intel for the viewers listen if you're listening on the podcast you're gonna have to check out either my insta or the sports talk wpg instagram page 
This, what we're looking at, go back to the first one there for a sec, Remo. This is the barbecue bowl, which has, it's unbelievable. It starts mashed potatoes in the middle. There's beans, there's sausage, there's brisket, coleslaw, all together in one very easy to eat event. The other thing we tried was the triple play combo. Now, this one, you've got your choice of two sides, went with uh, mac and cheese and coleslaw. Full sausage, which was really good. And then there's pulled pork and brisket in there. Uh, other things that are back, the butter chicken from Clay Oven, I can confirm, is amazing. But one of the things that I was the most fired up about, one of my all-time favorites, is Sal's. Now, Sal's was in the building last year, Reem, but it was just their kicking chicken menu. Well, good news. They've got a bigger, better booth this year. The chicken is back, but also nips and chips. <laughs> One of my associates had a nip, and they said it was maybe the best thing they ate all weekend. <laughs> nips and chips. Sounds sounds delightful. That, that's what it says right there. The nips nip. and chips menu all the back. I, in fact, just got an email from Sal's about that. But um, they're there. Pierogies are back. Goldie Dogs are back. I did not see anybody eat the Grand Slam, which the $60 monster that's on a loaf of garlic bread. I don't know. Maybe they were just too busy uh, for it or I didn't see it, but we will be doing some intel at some point on that. And uh, that, again, another big content opportunity for our TikTok channel and our YouTube. Yeah, uh, we, we should uh, try to take that down. We'll have to make that one members only. Hustler, because uh, I don't know if I want that out there. Paywall. Eat, eat, yeah, me eating the Grand Slam, which, but great to see you know, people back at the ballpark for the weather. It uh, didn't hurt them at all. And I know it was a tough you know, couple seasons with the pandemic playing, like, oh, what, the one year on the road, the other year, you know, in their own different, different state. Like, uh, so they're back, you know, new manager as well. This year, Greg Taggart, first year. So the Gold Eyes, it feels like a rebirth here with the new logo too. And uh, nice see you getting some barbecue. That's because I don't think there's too many barbecue places here in Winnipeg. So I will have to uh, try that one. That bowl looks tasty. It, it, it was it was so good. It was so good. And everything was great. And the other thing that I had a few of and is available now at the ballpark is the new Little Brown Jug generic lager. I mean, we t told you about it on the show. We tried it for the first time at the sports trivia event about a month ago or so. Uh, basic lager, just better. Award-winning now after those beer awards last week. Um, but it's a light and clean to taste. It's basically a local version of some of your more standard domestic beers. There it is. Enjoying it at the ballpark right now. And uh, definitely suggest you get down to the tap room by the way they've got that new menu as well uh with some grill uh, some, a bunch of varieties of grilled cheese sandwiches they're doing up at little brown jug which is a nice addition uh but i highly recommend the generic and if you haven't had it try it at your next winnipeg gold eyes game uh and of course you can find out more online at littlebrownjug.ca if you want to order for uh, for delivery and speaking of cheers and i'll, I'll hoist one for this guy we just talked about Brooks, and Brooks, of course, was the, the headliner winning the PGA Championship, Reem. But I'm sure even you, not a big golf guy, paid attention to the incredible story of this Michael Block dude who really stole the show at the PGA Championship as a 47-year-old teaching professional. Absolutely insane that you can go to the PGA, uh, qualify, 
and finish that well. And I'm talking to you. It sounds like his schedule is pretty booked up. Not going to have too much time for lessons over the next month or so. Yeah, well, he's made enough money that um, he can miss a few of his $150 an hour lessons because he won $288,000 by finishing in the top 15. And if people missed it, <clears throat> on Thursday after the show, I was watching round one, and they had this guy on on a live on-course interview with Scott Van Pelt. And it was interesting. And I think that, you know, just to back it up a bit, the PGA Championship has 20 PGA professionals, like not PGA Tour pros, but teaching pros at clubs. And they all qualify, and the best 20 make it into the event. So it's obviously a career highlight just to be good enough of the teaching of the pros just to make it in that event. Very rarely do they make the cut or anything like that. And he said in this interview that, you know, the one thing that he'd never done was, you know, make the cut and being the top teaching pro where much like the Masters, they honor the top amateur and then the champion. They do the same thing with the best club professional. Well, he basically, he was so comfortable after that interview and made a couple of great shots afterwards, shot even par, shot even par again, making the cut, would beat John Rahm by six strokes and a whole number of the top pros in the world. Saturday goes even par again and is paired in the final round with Rory McIlroy. And again, part of a failed fairy tale story that, I mean, you can't even make up. He then jars his tee shot for a slam dunk hole in one on the 15th hole, Remo. Um, certainly the iconic moment of the entire tournament um, and ended up finishing tied for 15th enough to automatically qualify him for the PGA next year. And since then, he got a call afterwards inviting him on a sponsor's invitation to the Colonial. He accepted. And I saw just earlier today the RBC Canadian Open announcing that the block party is coming north of the border and he will be also on a sponsor's exemption at the RBC Canadian Open. I mean, real-life tin cup, Michael Block, which is uh, certainly one of the great stories of the entire weekend. The Block Party. I like that. Is this like golf's equivalent, Huss, of uh, the e-bug coming in? And Well, that's <laughs> if the e-bug, you know, went on a run and got to keep playing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So I think that's the story we'll be watching. And... I mean, good for him going on all the shows, doing all the interviews, uh, taking advantage of your, I don't want to say 15 minutes because he's going on for a while, but uh, that's a pretty cool story, Huss. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, speaking of cool stories, bringing it back to Winnipeg, and we'll talk more about this over the next couple days, but uh, hearing great things about this crowd for the Sea Bears coming up on Saturday. Of course, the, uh, and by the way, Chad Posthumus and some of the fellas from our new professional hoops team were actually at the Gold Eyes home opener on Friday night. Seemed to be pretty excited for the upcoming season. And really uh, easy to pick out. Saturday, tall well, guys? Chad was. Chad was. <laughs> I can tell you that much. He <laughs> sort of, you can just look at fans, 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 and then one guy here and everybody else. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, they were well represented at the game. But I think Winnipeg is going to be well represented. Apparently, the initial allotment of tickets that they put on sale have sold out. They've opened up more seats for the game, and new seats are added. Uh, I know we're going to plan to get down there for uh, what should be a bit of a historic night at Canada Life Centre for the new CEBL. And 
I'm hoping to get Kirby Shep on at some point if he's in town this week to get his thoughts on the new league and some of the players in it. The other guy we're going to have to reach out before the weekend, though, is a WST favorite, Reem. And that, of course, is our guy Mo Khan because Mo calls CEBL games out in Quebec, has been working with the league for the last couple of years. I think he'd be a perfect guy to sort of, you know, educate all of us on this new league that the Winnipeg team is playing in and begins, of course, on Saturday night. Yeah, it's uh, it's starting up, and they put out the release that they sold out their initial allotment of seats. Um, We did have the coach, Mike Taylor, on last week saying they're going to set a league attendance record in the first game. So there is excitement, and you hope they can continue the momentum. And, you know, you spoke about, uh, you know, how, you know, their presence at with the U of M, U of W game. That was a crazy atmosphere. And I think this, you know, this might work here, Hessler, with Seabrass. I know there's a, a lot of sports teams, but. We don't have basketball, and I really like what they're doing. There's a number of, you know, leagues in you know across Europe and throughout the world. Why can't Canada have their own league? And they're bringing in some quality players, local players as well, like Chad Posthumus. I think this is pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the CEBL is all about. And they're even going to have games, you know, a small number of games on TSN, which is pretty cool. Yep. So they're going to have a presence there. So um, I think this is awesome, and uh, I'm I'm fired up. Uh, for the Seabirds, training camp is under underway, and we're going to keep an eye on uh, Sean Marinan from the Westman, who we had on the show. How yep. he how he does it at the training camp. Not sure what's going to happen there, but but cool. They're giving these local guys an opportunity. Well, and the, the great thing is the U of W coach is the assistant with um, with Mike Taylor, so I mean he'll know what Sean can do. Um, and again, you know, obviously a couple of Kirby's guys as well from the U of M, including Simon Hildebrand, who was the number one overall pick in the draft, uh, also playing for the Seabears this year. So get your tickets if you haven't already. Saturday night, Canada Life Centre, game number one of the new era of professional basketball here in the peg. All right, let's get over to the cool bet lines. Uh, We got a game tonight. Can the Dallas Stars get back into this series, Michael Remus? Uh, We've seen a sweep for the Denver Nuggets. We've seen the Heat up 3-0 on the Celtics. The Panthers up 3-0. I mean, this has been, some, despite all the overtime, somewhat anticlimactic and lopsided conference final series. Will the Dallas Stars be the first team down to actually win a game in either the NBA or NHL conference finals tonight? Yeah, they had the lead last game. They have the goalie. Um, anyone can do it. I'm going with Dallas here. We need to have some close series. We can't have two series where... You're up 3 nothing, and I don't think anyone wants to see Vegas here keep doing it. So I'm going with Dallas. They're at home. They have the better goalie. I don't know. They couldn't close it out for the last, like, three minutes and then Do lost it. people would rather have Dallas or Vegas win? Dallas. Like, really? who's people? Like, Define people. Win, like, our Winnipeg, Win- like, people from Winnipeg, Jet fans. Oh, I guess there's so much Manitoba content. Yeah, uh, like, do we really want a division rival to roll uh, to the to the cup? I think I people. Mean, well, okay, wait. Does Gary Lawless get a day with the cup? Because maybe I should start cheering probably. for that. And I'll probably have to angle for an invite to his <laughs> cup party at, in in Malog. But oh, um, big beach. <laughs> but, wouldn't that uh, be something? No, I, I listen. I, I think that I know there's some people that you know don't like Vegas because, well, first of all, they beat the Jets. Um, but I got nothing but respect for that team. All the Manitoba, 
players and staff on it. And um, I don't know, it would drive me nuts, I think, to see the Dallas Stars go mm-hmm. all the way to the cup final, considering how close the Jets were in that division with all those other teams. That's true. I just think people don't want to see Vegas in the cup. You go through some pain. You can't just get a franchise and make four conference finals in six years. It doesn't work like that. They need some heartbreak before they can win a Stanley Cup. It's too easy for them. What, they think they're going to be in the playoffs every year? Sorry. Like, no. It's, you don't get a franchise on easy mode. Uh, so I'm going hey, for you Dallas. You get what you here. pay for. You get what you pay for. Yeah. Uh, Stars minus 144 on the money line. Vegas plus 122. I'm actually going to hit the over in this one. Over five and a half. Basically even money. Minus 102 on the over tonight. Under five and a half. Tomorrow, Panthers minus 113 favorites to uh, finish up and beat the Carolina Hurricanes who uh, just cannot score a goal or beat Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, NBA playoffs, Nuggets swept the Lakers. Bye-bye, LeBron. Uh, and tonight, will it be Jimmy Buckets and the Miami Heat sweeping the Boston Celtics as an eight seed? Crazy things happening in South Florida right now between the Panthers and the Heat, both up 3 nothing in their series, one win away from getting to the championship. Heat minus 116, Celtics minus 101. Celtics look done. Lock in the Miami Heat. That's our pick. Oh, and we do have an exclusive today. Lockshot Partner Parlay. We've got the Dallas Stars to win, the Miami Heat to win, and we've added in the Houston Astros, who are on a but seven or eight game heater. They're in Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. Uh, plus 505. I think it was originally plus 510. The odds have gone down slightly, but still better than five to one. If you like that one, get it at the Cool Bet exclusives under Lock Shop Partner Parlay. Uh, all right. Hey, before we go, Reem, I can't believe, folks, and listen, people that watched last year during the summer, we've got a fun head-to-head betting challenge for the races, live racing at Assiniboia Downs. So last night, we didn't have a show, of course, but it was opening night, so we both put our picks in. I did not even start my picks until race three or race four. I get a text from Remus announcing that he's already cashed a $60 winner on the first race of the series. So I'm literally playing catch-up before I even got to cash a ticket but uh quite a start for you last night at the track i'm so fired up yeah uh, you you reminded me i was like napping on the coach like hey we got to get our picks in and yes i had a five dollar exacta horse one and horse two on race two yesterday that's someone else and tapture way finished one and two and it paid me sixty dollars so i'm i'm up uh I was up 40 yesterday, and you were down 12. We're betting $20 each live race day. So I'm up like 50 bucks on you and day one. But it is a long summer. I mean, there were some months last year I was hot. I got off to a really slow start last year and really was playing catch-up all year. So I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this heater tonight as uh, live racing has returned to the downs. It certainly has. All right, I'm going to uh, give you my picks right now. I've got them locked and loaded, ready to go. Starting off in race number two, uh, I'm putting four bucks on number five to win. That is Call the Cops, one of our favorites from last year. Call the Cops in race number two. 
In race number three, there is one clear-cut favorite, and that is Chicago's Gray. So I'm doing a triactor box, but with six to win, and then one, three, four, one, three, four. So Pioneer Town, Canadian Authority, or Party at My Place in any orders for second and third, but number six has to win. Uh, then I've got the exacta, exacta box. This is basically a Quinella, $2 Quinella. It's a $1 each way exacta with four and seven in race number five. Those horses are Hard West and Ethan's Animal. Uh, in race number six, we've got the five horse to win, and that is our favorite from last year. Shooting money. <laughs> No, no doubt. And then I did, I always do a triactor usually on the final race. Triactor box or triactor wheel, whatever you want to call it, $1. So it's $6 bet. Any order for Ensley's Dream, five, Gianna's Wild Cat, and number seven, French Rose. Uh, what are you cooking up for tonight? Hey, everyone in chat asking about our favorite horse from last year, Hot Linda. I don't know if Hot Linda's <laughs> back, but Hot Linda hasn't been on the first two cards, but we will definitely be discussing Hot Linda. Great memories, everyone. Uh, yeah, I love. Uh, I just love looking at the names. I do have a tractor with Call the Cops on race two. Uh, I also have. Who do I have? I got uh, three, five, and six. Barely Regal. And crowned royal, so finish one, two, three, any order. In race seven, I got a horse one to win, Melsandra, who I think I had last year. It's all coming back to me. And I accidentally did two horses. I did two separate bets of um, shooting money to win and out on Saturday to win, but I may combine that into a $5 exacta box, finish one and two in any order. So I think I'm, I'm going to have to go cancel those and, and do that. But uh, that, that's where I was on on for today uh, so sh hopefully uh i have as good a day today as i did yesterday we can grow that lead yeah pretty nice pretty nice well hey listen i don't mind if you but i need to get some winners too um hoof-hearted uh, is not in tonight's races we'll let you know i guarantee you if hoof-hearted ends up being on on the card he will get bet by yours truly i can guarantee that but i don't think that's happening hpibet.com if you want to bet on the track here in winnipeg and the others around Canada. But listen, there's nothing better than getting out to Assiniboia Downs for live racing. They're going at it again tonight. No Wednesday racing tomorrow or next week. And then it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights for the rest of the year. Post time is 7.30 p.m. Um, this has been a real fun show coming back. Um, Mike McIntyre is going to join us tomorrow. As I mentioned, we will talk sea bears and going to hook up with Winnipeg's Nigel Dawes, who just finished an incredible career, starting off as a world junior hero in the early 2000s, playing over 200 games in the National Hockey League, and then 10 years overseas, including seven in Kazakhstan. Uh, he's a real interesting guy. He's back in Winnipeg with his family now. We're going to talk about his incredible hockey journey tomorrow on the program we'll also have mike mcintyre and uh get ready for sea bear season coming up on saturday that is going to do it for us today folks thanks to uh all of our wonderful sponsors and all of you for making us a part of your day 
tell a friend about WST and make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And if you haven't, if you're finding us on YouTube, get to your favorite podcast feed and search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe there as well. Big thanks to Joe Piscucci. Great stuff from the Hockey Hall of Fame today and an awesome conversation with Jeff Hamilton. That is going to do it for us. Have an awesome night. Enjoy the weather. Gold eyes tonight. Assiniboia downs tonight. Many options. But one thing that is not an option, it's mandatory, is that you join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. live on YouTube for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.